0: Is it some devil that crawls inside of you?
1: hello folks welcome back to another episode of the bad etiquette podcast i'm your host alice bronson and remy the dog is asleep as fuck on the couch and i'm joined here today by a very special 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 guest and before i introduce him let me tell you um, how integral he is to me having a podcast very 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 integral i'm joined today by chris lambert how you doing i'm Pretty good right now. Pretty good? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah? For a Friday? I feel good. Fuck yeah. I love Fridays because whenever you go outside, everyone can tell it's Friday. There's like a buzz in the air. There's a good
2: feeling. It's weird. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, I got paid. No more fucking work. I mm-hmm. like that. I've always been a huge fan of Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. Not because of the sport, but because everyone you make eye contact with is like, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Like, like it's everyone feels Sunday. the same way. Today's I love that. the day. I love that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like a communal it, feeling.
1: It, oh, isn't it weird how um, people are like so divided today, but community and those community thing, like communal things are the happiest people are. Right.
2: It's like the per capita most happiness in yeah. the country. Isn't that
1: mm-hmm. awesome? I fucking love shit like
2: that. It's one of the things I miss about live television when you would watch a channel and there was something playing mm-hmm. is that, Everybody in town is probably watching the same movie at the same time. And you used to post about, like, I'm watching Tommy Boy, and everyone's like, You're watching Tommy Boy. <laughs> oh like, <laughs> right? And that doesn't happen as much anymore. What's because just You can watch whenever commercial. you want.
1: <laughs> well, um, I got a couple questions here for you. Right just the back. a couple? All right. Just a couple. Easy. All right. Hmm.
2: Do I? I didn't
1: write any. <laughs> what did you listen to on your way
2: here? Oh, uh, good question. Uh, Taylor Swift dropped an album today. She did? She did, and I didn't know it was coming what out. I don't know fuck? if I've just been unaware, but I listened to that. What's it called? It's called Lover. Shocker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she can any of her albums lover. It's got this very Instagrammy album cover. Okay, With like her in front of pink and blue clouds. It's all cutesy looking. So it's like, it looks like she's turning her back on her image that she's had for the last several years. Oh. But then a lot of the songs are the exact same premise, which is everybody like attacks me, but they can, you know. I Why do they all have that fucking <laughs> I, skew to them? It's like, I, it's like my the record opinion. company approves, like you yeah. can only
1: be kind of rebellious,
2: okay? <laughs> my opinion is that the people who are writing songs with her are coming to her with preconceived ideas of like, if you had, there's one song on there. Uh, I, I only listened to it once, but it's called The Man. And it's all about how, if she were a man, everything she's done publicly, people would be cheering her on for, and the only reason they don't is because she's a woman, and I'm like, come on. like well, her, you don't get to do dating that because you're not a dates, man. I yeah. don't g- get to walk around and go, wow, everyone <laughs> fucking
1: sure doesn't criticize me about what I'm wearing, because <laughs> I'm not a woman. You, that's different. You're mm-hmm. different genders, and unfortunately, there's different fucking yeah.
2: things. But it seemed to me like Taylor, that's not a thought that my, she came up take. with. It's probably a thought somebody else presented to her, like, this could be a cool pop song, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, sounds fun, and then she does it, but there were other songs on there that I'm a big fan of already yeah. there jack Antonoff produced a lot of it who okay. was in bleachers and fun i, I knew fun and yeah C- didn't he, he used to date lena dunham he did yeah okay yeah. i'm glad he's out of that <laughs> good for him but so i was a fan of that stuff and i actually thought i should do my own cut of this album that i just put on my phone that's only the songs he produced and wrote with her <laughs> and just cut all of <laughs> the, the industry playlists. crap out
1: how do you listen to music when you're in the car
2: um on a, at, on an old 32 gig iPod, like oh, I don't uh, nice. second generation or something. It's a fat one. Oh, I'm uh, so jealous. Allie got it for my birthday or Christmas or something mm-hmm. on eBay. Mm-hmm. And it's like in a leather case and everything. That's so cool, dude. Yeah. I have an old um, iPod, like a little iPod Nano, mm-hmm. like a
1: little eight gigabyte one, maybe yeah. 16 gigs. I don't know. I can't fit a lot of music on there. Yeah. I've been wanting one of those like fifth generations, those big fat, like, sle- and, like sleek, but fat ones. Yeah because um, I feel like that's me as a person, sleek but fat, and it like it has so much
2: storage space on it. It does. Every, I've never run out of storage space. That's
1: so cool. I run out of storage space on my phone. I have like an old
2: phone. Yeah, me too. It I'm sucks. always out of space on my Dude, phone. It's so annoying. Every time I try to take a picture of someone, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold no, on. Let me, then you delete like thirty videos, and there's still not room for one photo. Yeah, you know what it is? I have subscribed to so many podcasts that mm-hmm. there's
1: like gigs yeah, just and crammed just in there. all the time. So I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. I like, it, it sucks because there's things that I want to get to and I want to listen to and I don't. Yeah, and Like I have like three or four that are the must listens and mm-hmm. then the rest are like, if I have time or if there's a, you know, a heavy day of introversion, I can just listen to these things. Yeah. So that's cool. I, um, you don't, how'd you listen to the Taylor Swift thing on Spotify? Or on, anything? uh. What was it? Oh, on Amazon Music. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I think I have that too because I have the Prime. Is that with Prime? Yep. Hmm. I used to to use that all the time. I don't know what happened. Music doesn't load when I play it on a streaming phone. Like I I try, it always buffers Mm -hmm. and I get so furious. There's a few songs that I have downloaded like or like favorited. So they always play in between here and when I go to work at Starbucks. Right. It's one song length. Maybe if I'm lucky and I, it's my, fa- I go to my favorites playlist because if I need, if I'm like, I'm pumped or I need like a song to get me through the day and I'm like, all right, going into work, about to deal with stupid people and they're even stupider drinks and the song doesn't play and it like skips or <laughs> stops in the yeah. middle of me getting pumped up.
2: I- I'm going into the place to hurt people. Yeah. I'm
1: going into work to those hurt people's feelings things. There's lots drop of things like that
2: in life that like they touch that nerve in you that just makes you want to be a killer. One of them is if you're wearing headphones and you stand up and it rips off oh of your head. My fucking God, that, that's it one Doesn't it turns of them. on the How, animal you. In got you. that right on the head. Yep. That's one of them. We're mm-hmm. just like,
1: God, I was fucking listening to that.
2: And I don't, this is it's, it's, something it's that. It's so
1: like violent, yeah,
2: like chords. Something that some people have, but other people don't. It, misophonia is what they call it. The sound of people chewing. Oh yeah. Like not just typical chewing, but for me it's like a very specific, type of chewing mm-hmm. will just send me into like an internal rage wow. that I'm very in control of and I won't do anything mm-hmm. but on the inside I'm like okay it's taking a lot of effort right now to Ooh, not stand have I ever done up that? And- we've
1: had some meals together have I ever done no and that? you what know what it cheese?
2: is It I have to be at a certain level of intimacy with a person it only bothers me when my mom my brother my girlfriend okay. like even we, we eat with Caleb you know Caleb Yeah, Caleb is the loudest like Ew. eater in the world Ew. doesn't bother like, me in the slightest that's cool I, i'm totally when you fine did with it. that it upset me. okay so. so you do kind of get it maybe but it's a very casual chewing it has to be like a Ooh. kind of i can't okay you, i think because i'm like in the moment that i'm here it it? and i'm like feeling yeah. it but
1: i don't think I. I don't, yeah you know what pisses me off more than anything in public when people make noise mm. um cell phone music bluetooth speakers okay yeah if, if i can hear what you're listening to I want you to die. I want you to get thrown off the bus. Like this happened because I used, used to. I didn't get my driver's license till like a lot, a lot later. Mm-hmm. I was like twenty one, I think. Okay, me too. And it, it it meant going on public transportation buses all the time. Yeah, and there was always someone on the phone, talking, calling multiple fucking people in a row because they couldn't handle being like not on the phone or talking to someone. like They have such a bad social anxiety or mental illness that they have to be talking to people or they're listening to music and or they had like a Bluetooth speaker. And it was like, Dude, I don't want to fucking hear that shit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. No one wants to hear it. Yeah. I'm so glad that I got to fucking hear that shit instead of the wonderful, you know, like head, like I can't even hear my own music. I have to crank mine up in my headphones.
2: Maybe it's fucking hurting my ears. <laughs> people suck
1: Mm -hmm. I hate that or if
2: you're on like if you've ever been on a Greyhound so you're on it for more than a (sighs) day and there's like always one woman talking to the entire bus on her cell phone she's like having a full conversation like this and everybody on the bus is kind of exchanging glances and she just never stops I start throwing shit at people dude i
1: I used to sit in the back of the movie theaters with my dad and we'd always have like popcorn or something or Mm -hmm. candy actually we never had popcorn it was always candy hard candy we'd throw it at people we'd fucking throw it at people if we Mm -hmm. had popcorn we'd throw it in front of the projector and make like a glisten that was pretty cool (laughs) looks like a little rain That was pretty fun i like that okay (laughs) i have my i can't wait for question two question two (laughs) (laughs) what what do you think
2: question two is i don't know um
1: that was question two. So
2: okay, good job. Uh, <laughs> question three:
1: How do you know what something that uh, is infinitely? I'm infinitely curious about mm-hmm. is uh, your relationship with Ali. Okay, just because um, you guys have been together for a long time. Yeah, nine years. That's amazing. Because mm-hmm. m- most young people aren't together for that long, and if they are, they're really insufferable. And you guys don't have that vibe about you at all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, you guys show no sign of being in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> like whether it be on like social media or oh, that's true or, or yeah. in person too, mm-hmm. you know, c- cause sometimes like, I think m- maybe correct me if I'm wrong or validate yeah. this. If uh, you're in a relationship with someone long enough, you become so comfortable that those kind of nuances of like uh, PDA or romantic things are uh, kind of left on the back burner cause it's more casual.
2: Yeah, maybe. Uh, both of us are just very kind of private people too. We're not very public in our presence. Mm -hmm. Um, but things like you know what I have noticed is I was in two semi-long-term relationships, like over two years Mm -hmm. before Allie. And in both of those relationships, like a few months in, that sort of died, like fizzled out. Mm -hmm. And Allie is the first relationship I've had where, like to this day, if we go to a place, we'll just like hold hands while we're walking. And that used to send shivers up my spine in my past relationships because we'd get over this little hump and it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I just don't feel comfortable with doing that with this person in public. You know what I mean? And they would touch me and it was just like, I'm not, I'm just not feeling in this. Not that I don't love them or care about them, but I don't know, it made me uncomfortable. And with Allie, nine years in, we still hold hands when we're walking places. Cute, that's really cool. Yeah, but we've never like, we've never been, we've never made out in public or things like that. That's just not the type of people we are. I'm sure me and Kylie have made quite a number of people uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Mm. We've been together for almost six years, so. Okay. It We still like each other, thankfully. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, um, how do you guys maintain such like a cool relationship and be together? Because so, like, like obviously there's people who go through um, like tumultuous relationships mm-hmm. and uh, I'd have a hard time even picturing you two in an argument.
2: Um, like there's definitely arguments, but they're like, they're minor compared to anything I've been through in past Previous. relationships. They're like, they're not personal, you know, it's just kind of like this is going on and this is driving me insane right now. Okay. Um, but then we're typically over it pretty quickly. Um, I think the biggest the biggest factor in our relationship is that we are both people who have things that we do and we're always doing them. It's just like, I know every single day she's going to be either shooting or editing or setting up a shoot or editing mm-hmm. and, uh, working on her magazine, booking people for a shoot, booking people, like every day she's gonna do one of those things and she knows every day I'm gonna be working on a podcast, working on a song, Mm -hmm. interviewing a person, like working on a magazine. Every day we've got things that we're doing and that was another thing in my past relationships where it was like, I feel like I'm always doing things and they're always waiting for me to be done so we can hang out again. And it always feels like they're waiting on me and I don't like that feeling. And with Allie, it was like, I think that's what attracted me to her is that she's very driven harmony to do with, stuff. And you yeah. guys
1: have that harmony of like doing something. Um, I forget which podcast it was but you guys were discussing about how um, some days like you, you can just leave each other alone and she'll like go do something while you right. have the uh, uh, time to do the podcast mm-hmm. or something. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Like to be in such a, Relationship with like such respect that you leave each other alone intentionally. Yeah. And
2: like it that. takes a, a level of security too mm-hmm. where it's like she's not worried that I've got another girl over and I'm not worried mm-hmm. that she's going to some guy's house. It's like, no, I'm very comfortable that When we separate for the day, she typically goes to Starbucks to edit or somewhere Mm -hmm. or her parents' house, and I typically stay in the apartment. Mm -hmm. And then if I leave to go to like a coffee shop to interview somebody, she'll come home and like work there for a while, and then go back to her parents. Then I'll Mm -hmm. come. You know, we're like switching. Do you? Are you guys ever in the same place at the same time? Or yeah, I mean, (laughs) mean, we we always eat meals together. Like we always have breakfast every morning. All right. Sorry
1: about that. If you guys, listeners know that this shit cuts out sometimes and I have to fucking piece it together.
2: So I apologize for that interrupting Chris. Yeah. I think I was saying, we always have breakfast mm-hmm. every morning. We have lunch together each afternoon. We'll typically sit down and watch something together. Unless one of us is like right in the middle of a project. It's yeah. like, let's just really quickly drop off lunch and then go back to what we were doing. Has, but then dinner together. Has that yeah. been happening with the current oh, podcast? Yes, it has. Boy, it like, like now, more than ever, I'm just like, every morning, it's like, let's have breakfast. And as soon as we're finished with breakfast, bye. That's like, I'll see you at dinner time. Oh. And besides that, and like I said, luckily, we're in that sort of relationship where she's not bothered by that Mm -hmm. and I'm not worried about what she's doing while I'm up to the podcast, it's like we both know exactly what the other one is doing the entire time. Do you guys kind of like communicate throughout the day when you're doing Oh that? yeah, okay. we're texting constantly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I never stop texting. And we both Kylie. have the Find Friends app now that we turn on so mm-hmm. like we can even see on a map like the other ones at this place mm-hmm. now because sometimes when she goes to shoots in like San Luis, mm-hmm. I'm worried about her like I'm not sure if she got home okay or mm-hmm. I'm not sure if she got to the next place she was shooting and so I'll just open it up and it's like okay, she's on the freeway going to AG. That's cool. Like I'm sure she's okay That's cool. and then she'll text me when she pulls up and just say I just got here and this girl's not at the shoot yet so Mm -hmm. we'll talk for a little while until she shows up then once she's busy again then i'm busy again yeah it's constant communication um shit that i had a really good question and then i lost it you
1: said something about fuck the finding friends (laughs) app and then right before that
2: hmm that we're texting constantly. Oh,
1: you know what? I was just actually, it was just a comment. I was gonna say mm, between Kylie and I, my biggest priority is just making sure she's safe, just knowing she's safe. right? So like that find friends app is probably like, really good you know I don't
2: is that I I have a tendency to worry a lot too this is something that I have had my entire life and my family is like this when Allie a few times she's flown to shoots because people hire her to shoot a wedding in San Francisco or Mm -hmm. something and she doesn't want to drive all the way there it like she just had a wedding in Minnesota this summer and so if she gets on a plane I can't think about anything else until she lands I'm in my head I'm like okay if she dies like what do I do, like what's the next step? You know what I mean? Like Isn't what happens to is her crazy? stuff? Like what happens to our apartment? And then I've played out in my head several times, like what is my relationship with her parents like once she died, because they've lost a child, I've lost a girlfriend and like, it's insane how in depth I'll go into those thoughts. Let me tell you right now, that's the exact, exact, exact
1: <laughs> shit I think about. Okay. Anytime Good. that like she hasn't texted me or something, I'm like, okay, what happens if I die, she dies? relationship with the parents um what yeah. happens to her stuff happens to my stuff in my head i'm like oh well you know kylie's like my life if she wants to come rummage through my shit after i'm dead feel free like <laughs> let her have first pick please <laughs> you know just so because i know she's gonna have sentimental things that yeah. mean something more to her than my parents are gonna identify or my you know what i mean mm-hmm. so oh, and the, or if something happened to her and like how would i communicate with her family and
2: then like how oh man yeah. Oof. And then, then the big one is, and the one that makes me feel most guilty, do I ever date again? Mm-hmm. Like that really bugs me sometimes. And I know it sounds like I'm being dramatic, but I really do think in my head, am I ever allowed to date again? And then I right. think, well, of course I'm allowed to date again. But then there's a part of me yeah, like, no is she rules. somewhere where she, cause I don't know what happens after we mm-hmm. die. Is she somewhere where she's going to be looking down and wishing that I wasn't with this person then I think if there's a place you go after you die where you just get to watch what other people are doing and still feel like jealousy and all those things what mm-hmm. a what a shitty ending right right like well, I don't believe in something like that where you're like up in the clouds mm-hmm. looking down being like oh he likes another girl now it's like what the hell like you don't even have a Holy. body anymore so <laughs> it could, do you think that people
1: in, in that scenario mm-hmm. that the why people are so uh, adamant about you not forgetting people who've passed away, that they can only do that and observe people that remember them until they've died. And then that's when they can't do that anymore. So everyone's in this constant like cyclical know, that's viewership. That's so upsetting. Like Isn't I really r- kind hope of, that's not what and happens. And then wouldn't you think that um, at some point, be, knowing that she, like your loved one's gone, that they would want you to find happiness sure. and find yeah. that for you? Yeah. Because I'd imagine if I, I, I were to die and that were to happen to me, eventually I'd be like, I love Kylie with all my heart. I want her to live the longest, happiest yeah, life possible. that's helpful and is if, to
2: reverse the roles mm-hmm. and say, well, what would I want yeah. if I were the one that died? And it's like, of course I would want Allie to be in another relationship at some point, but then it's like, but how long? Like, I don't know, like, I, but but that's what I'm saying is just her being away from me and knowing that she's, partially unsafe or in danger in some way, I can't focus on anything else. And then she's like, I landed. And I'm like, okay, back to my life. Yeah, like, but for that period of time, that really does play out in a very detailed way in my head it does. That's where I'm like, crazy. that's upsetting. I, I have the same exact uh, anxieties yeah. about that sort of thing. And also, I mean, th- she knows this already, but the way she drives when I'm in the car with her makes me fear for her life when I'm not in the car with her. Oh my God. Bro, are
1: we the same person?
2: <laughs> I tell her all the time, I'm like, okay, the, if this is how you drive when I'm in the passenger seat, I just know that when I'm not, you're worse than this. And that, like, <laughs> she hasn't killed anybody yet. She's only been in like one accident and it was in a parking lot. It was somebody else's fault. Yeah. But I worry all the time. I don't like, count, oh my God, I don't if I count wasn't here. Parking
1: lot accidents because those are like, like extracurricular driving things. Just not <laughs> right. just not If you're real. doing under five, yeah. it's not yeah, a Yeah, piss off.
2: But yeah, there's things she's done in the car where I'm like, okay, if I wasn't here to like shout to stop you, I think we would have died right now. And if I weren't in the car, you might be dead. And that terrifies me. Well, here's
1: something that comforts me. When someone's in the car with me, I drive a little worse for some reason. And I think that-
2: That pressure, right? It like, might be the pressure, yeah, the severity, the
1: weight's off. I'm, I know that like I'm comfortable this way. I might be like a little more faster and looser- With myself, and I might think that I'm safer, Mm -hmm. but like I am a lot more comfortable driving alone than with someone in the car. And then that makes me think that maybe when she's alone, she drives better and more comfortably because she's not worried about fucko in the passenger seat. Yeah, maybe. So
2: I, I do think that because so many times in the past I've corrected her on her driving, that when I am in the passenger mm-hmm. seat, her level of anxiety is higher because she's like, uh-oh, if I do something wrong, he's going to be like, stop, you're going to kill us. And, oh, 100%, you know. just because she started driving before me, mm-hmm. even though I'm older, she
1: condescends to my driving. <laughs> I'm the one who gets my driving yeah. corrected, even though I'm pretty sure, you know, tit for tat. I may have killed more animals with my car, but I think she might have hit objects more with her car. So okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who wins that one. <laughs> but I definitely like straight up like peeled the reflectors off of the side of a fucking <laughs> um, a roundabout, this new one over here in Lompoc, mm-hmm. um, when she was teaching me how to drive like on her car. And I drive by it all the time because I go to and from jujitsu that way and fucking it's just mangled. And I was like, oh, look, th- that's me. That's me, asshole. Me, asshole. I did that. I didn't drive well. Fuck. Mm-hmm. It's nice when your mistakes are just out in the open for you because right. it, it makes me drive <laughs> a little better when I'm around there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but you know what? Um, I was going to say, because you mentioned her going to, um, Allie going to slow yeah. for like shoots and stuff. And mm-hmm. you like worrying like, oh, she's safe. Has that been heightened with the um, sort of like investigation podcast? Oh,
2: no, but, but because both of us are so, we're like super into murder shows and documentaries. And like, because this is one thing about me that like, I have a hard time compartmentalizing my brain. Like I get hyper-focused on things and- It's fantastic. That's one of my favorite
1: things about you. You're a very (laughs) prolific person. It's very awesome to watch.
2: But so for instance, if I'm working on an album, right? And I'm making an album that's very like, upbeat and like a positive album. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I can't listen to punk rock right now. Like yeah. I can't listen to Nirvana right now. Like I have to be in a mindset. You're so thematic. I have to surround myself with and make sure that I stay that way. And she's not like that at all. She's like, dude, I could do anything all day, every day and then switch my brain back to this. And I'm like, I can't do it. So right now I'm working on this documentary podcast and it's about a murder. And I'm like, that's all I'm able to watch. Like we cannot watch a comedy tonight at dinner mm-hmm. time. Like we have to watch a murder documentary. We have to watch Forensic Files or something because I have to stay in this mindset or I will lose it. And then tomorrow, it's going to take me a long time to switch back into that mode. And so we we watch a lot of murder stuff and that makes me worry about her more. Like mm-hmm. when she goes out to our carport alone at night, yeah. if she goes to get the mail at night, I'm like, leave the door wide open, bring mm-hmm. your mace with you and yeah. scream if something happens because that's all I'm going to think about while you're down there. I, th- I think I might've
1: fetishized violence growing up Mm-hmm. and uh, just always having access to, like, action movies and, like, yeah. like kind of, like, graphic movies when I was a lot younger mm-hmm. that n- now, like, where I'm at mentally and, like, with, like, the crazy films I watch and the shit that goes on in my head, um, I think part of me almost wants to, like, save her from someone attacking her yeah. or save mm-hmm. someone, like, a loved one from them being attacked. Yeah. And there's this, like, strange fucking fascination I have with, like, vengeance actions. I
2: think that's a very male part of the brain that we're like hardwired to want to rescue people. I used to like, I'll play out scenarios where I'm like looking and it's like, okay, there's a vent up there in the ceiling and like if somebody came in here with guns right now, like I could climb up in that, I'd climb on that dresser and then I'd go in the vent Mm -hmm. and I'd wait up there and then when they came in this room, like, I throw that knife at them and like yeah. I play it out and no, I get I super excited. That. I'm like, I want that to happen now because pull. I know I can handle it. Your pulse starts getting yeah. up. Yeah. And yeah, that adrenaline rush that you get when that happens. Like sometimes I'll hear somebody come up our stairs at night and I'm like, there's only two apartments up here and so... There's nobody should be coming up here mm-hmm. at night. And then in my head, like I just have this whole action movie sequence where it's like, what's the like deadliest weapon that I have at my mm-hmm. reach? And what could I do with it? And like, how would I protect her? And like, where would I get her to? And I don't know, like she she's a black belt. And like, I know that she can handle herself. And mm-hmm. I know that she's probably- like very capable of that but mm-hmm. there yeah there is something male about that that it's like we want to save you like oh 100 let us let us take care of the bad guys and a belt is a foreign concept to
1: the hardwired right. fucking <laughs> you know shit we have yeah. in our uh shark brains gosh R- remy you okay sometimes he looks dead dude i get fucking yeah, paranoid hey. Hey, you're gonna- he okay? yeah
2: yeah. Okay. Well, he's, he's like fucking, what the hell are you touching he's he like hey I'm sleeping bitch <laughs> yeah, I, it, has to be, it has to be weird for him to, that you have just different people in this room now where he's like there's just gonna be a person in here for two to three hours at a time it's and I don't crazy. know them and they smell weird and I'm just gonna sleep right here
1: it's weird the um, spectrum of responses I get because some people he's really cold too. Mm-hmm. He, he like smells them and he's like, all right, they're good, but yeah. don't bring them back. <laughs> and then other people he's like, <laughs> like when they're when they're doing the podcast and they yeah. are always like,
2: oh, hi. Like he's
1: on, <laughs> on their neck behind them. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, but I like when he's like this and he just kicks it. Yeah, I think this is a really optimal hour for recording too because uh, for recording, <laughs> I hate when I say for you hear that? you ever hear that? All those little like thing, words you suck oh, yeah. at pronouncing to do the podcast. Do you
2: listen to these back once you record them?
1: Um, I skip around through them. Okay, I don't listen to them back fully. Some of them I always listen to like almost the first half of them. Okay, for um, good notes, I always look for a good title in mm-hmm. a phrase that someone uses or says because right. I think it. Um, I like you. You do that. You did that with the yeah. are, are We Okay podcast, mm-hmm. and I really like that. And I, uh, I noticed. Um, there was a certain popularity among the episodes with the way they were named almost. It was yeah. almost like directly like correlated to the name and yeah. how cool it sounded mm-hmm. and less wordy. And I was like, huh, I got to use like uh, better phrases. So yeah. anyways, um,
2: yeah, I like when he just kicks it like that.
1: This is a good hour because no one's coming home for a while. He's not going to be oh, freaking yeah. out.
2: Our dog so we We had a family dog, and then when I moved out, it stayed with my mom, but it's my dog. like of it's, course it's all of our dog. Of course. um and we we actually bought one of those home cameras so we can watch what he's doing on our phones at all time. and That's so cool. he's mostly sleeping. That. yeah, but he <laughs> yeah. he has like a calendar in his head. Like he, he knows what time it is during the day. He knows about when my mom's about to come home for her lunch break. And then he comes out in the living room. He knows when she comes home at night, but then he actually knows days of the week too. And so her, her best friend Dale, who I th- yeah. you probably met Dale. Love Dale. He comes over every Sunday and then walks Toby for like two hours. <gasps> he knows when he wakes up Sunday morning that it's Sunday. Like oh, he just stares wow. at the window. Cute. He knows about when it's time for Dale to show up. It's insane. And so it's like, how could he possibly know what Day of the week, it is, but there's something internal that I think dogs are able to tap into. How old is he? he is, let's see, we got him in 2011. So he's he's going to be eight in October. So he's like a
1: mature dog. He got that, that shit dialed down, oh, especially yeah. if it's been happening yeah. for a number His of years. His whole life. Yeah. Oh, there you mm-hmm. go. Um, Remy's still a puppy. So he's still learning, but he does have, like, I'm always asleep in the morning. I always come home in the morning, go to sleep, mm-hmm. and he always comes up here. And this morning, I was home. So I was downstairs and he was like, look at me. He like ran into my bed. <laughs> And he was like, what the fuck? And he came downstairs and he was like, hey, what the fuck is this about? I thought we were gonna, I thought we were gonna cuddle. And I'm, I'm sitting down <laughs> there like reading the newspaper. I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> bud. So he gets mad if he doesn't have his fucking nap time. Little grouch. He's looking to see if he's in trouble right now. <laughs>
2: what are you yelling
1: about? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I didn't do it this time. Hope he doesn't find the remote <laughs> chewed up behind the couch again. <laughs> Oh man. All right. So you mentioned that you are doing a murder investigation podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can agree that it's a murder podcast, not an abduction or disappearance podcast necessarily, or that it wasn't an abduction or a disappearance, but a murder.
2: It's hard. It's hard to like qualify it, but like, yeah, with everything that I've learned, it's like, okay, this girl uh, lost her life as a result of this thing that happened this incident. And then she, her body was disposed of by the person who did it. So yeah, I'd consider that a murder. Like she there's, there's a good chance she might've died accidentally, but she died accidentally in circumstances that he directly caused. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah. And then he disposed of her body. And so it's like, yeah, he, he's responsible for this. Um, I consider it a murder. Like, you don't take a drunk person who can't stand up back to your dorm room, have sex with them. And then if they accidentally die, bury them and go, Oh, it was an accident. I didn't know. I or have try known. to
1: have sex with them or try to rape right. them, them fight back. And then you kill them.
2: Yeah. Right. You know. Exactly. And so nobody knows the exact circumstances except him. And nobody ever will know because nobody was in the room, but him and her. That's
1: fucking crazy. Um, I have a, I have so much to get into. Okay, you about can ask that
2: as much as you want.
1: So we can go there. Yeah, we're gonna go there. Okay, let's. So take your take your sip of water, your deep breath. Um, and honestly, I don't want to just stick to that because I'm really uh, happy to have you over here and get to get to know you in like mm-hmm. a podcast format too. Because yeah. Because there's a, it's like a third element to conversation. I think it's like, a, or it's a new outer element of conversation that even when you're with people and you ha- have a normal conversation, mm-hmm. like you have conversations with people and you're like, oh man, that could have been a cool podcast. All right? It wouldn't be the same
2: if it was yeah, a podcast.
1: That's true. So the, the, I'd like to see what space this happens because we've uh, hung out, you know, double dated and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> cute things like that. So maybe it doesn't provide as much um, closeness that this might. True. True. So I like that. Um, how do you stay so fucking busy? Cause you're like, you're, oh, you're one of my, uh, I think you're the first person I've had over that I can Google and like find a <laughs> Wikipedia page and like articles about, and they go back a number of years and mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, this is <laughs> fun. You know, um, you had a fucking album a year for like what? Almost 10 years straight. Yeah. I think From, like 2008, 2018, yeah. 2007. Like that, yeah. 20, yeah. That's yeah. fucking crazy. What is it? Let me see. 2007 to 2018. Yeah. Maybe like one or two. Gap years. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just like that's my thing in life. It's just what else am I doing during the day? It's just always been. I think of it like the way that some people, when they're writing a book, mm-hmm. it's like well, it's just oh, every day you just work to. on the book, they right? To, and then yeah. once you put out the book, you start working on the Cause next. Because you're like because there's a void now. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but I th- I think I've always looked at albums too as a like an art piece that you're creating. And I think a lot of musicians, especially musicians in this area that I've met, they look at albums as like, well, that's a thing to sell at my shows. So I've got to play as many shows as I can and then raise money to record an album so that I have something to sell at those shows and for me it's always been like well i want to like craft an album from the inside out and once it's done i guess i have to play shows because it would be irresponsible to not promote it but the album is the thing for me
1: i think that ingenuity speaks for itself and it's so obvious um not in like a cliche way but like that you do that with a lot of um integrity Mm. you're a very integral artist in that way I think it's really fucking cool because you're right. Some people are just out there and they're like, oh, I need to sell this thing I made. I need to make money to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. But you aren't like that. I never got that vibe from you going to a show where uh, you have like merch for me. Like I'm right. not here for the yeah. the sale. I'm here for the musician and mm-hmm. the music. And that uh, that's something I really like and respect because... You, it can feel kind of gross when you go somewhere and like, oh, I paid money to get in into this thing. So someone can sell me something. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That kind of irks me. Yeah. Uh,
2: Usually if people want to get an album at the shows, most of the time I just give it to them and they'll insist on giving me some kind of money for it, but I'm definitely not there to sell the album. I'm, I'm there so, to like raise awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I, I make albums. This is who I am. And if you want them, I would love it if you just grabbed a handful and then went home with them. And, and listen to them them, Um, and shared them with people. What, what,
1: what is your ideal fan consuming response
2: for your stuff? Um, I don't know. I think like listening to albums is like, should be a very private experience. I hope that people go home and like listen to it on the drive home or Mm -hmm. listen to it on their drive to work. Um, listen to it through headphones while they're in bed or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I, I, my albums have always been crafted to listen from start to finish. Like songs usually bleed into the next one or there's callbacks from earlier songs and later songs. It starts with like an opener and it ends with a closer. And I'm very conscious of
1: that. I think that's how albums should be. I don't like when people go from song to song and I know I'm guilty of that. And, but I do know like some albums, some songs that you could get away with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if I have a new album that comes out, or from a a band or a group, Mm -hmm. musician of any kind that I like, I want to listen to it start to finish because I know that it's going to be a journey of me feeling one way about the first song, a variety in the middle, and then a closer song. Yeah. And I think closer songs are really important. I think they're kind of slept on. Some people leave like the not so great songs at the,
2: bottom of yeah, the Yeah, people list. front load albums sometimes where it's like Nobody, nobody's going to make it past this I point anyway. I hate that yeah. because
1: I think, oh, I love that album and then I'm always <laughs> like, wait, what are these last three songs? I never remember them and then the song I like comes back on, comes back on <laughs> when it comes back around I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I,
2: I don't like when people front load albums.
1: Mm-hmm. so.
2: Yeah, my rule, like I have a lot of rules now because I've done this, I've put out 11 Mm full-length albums and so there's patterns I've picked up on and things I want to do. And so my rule now is track one has to be killer. Like it has to suck you in, Mm -hmm. but then track two has to be better than track one. And then track three, you need to chill out a little bit. like But not you can't go all the way. It can't be the worst song in the album. Mm -hmm. And then you got to save like the weakest songs for like track seven or eight, nine, Okay. Right. And then by 11 or 12, when you're closing it out, it's got to start to feel like a momentum coming towards the end. So, like, okay. the last two or three tracks have to feel like they're moving towards some sort of ending. And the final track has to leave you with this sense of, like, I just went to a place and now I need to sit here and think about it for a while. So, you just close the book. Yeah. Okay. And, like, it, it should feel, for me, like, my rule is it should feel like I just learned a bunch of lessons, but I need to sit here for a little while, and take them in, and think about everything I just heard and so i try to put my albums that way like track one should knock you out Mm -hmm. but then track two should be like even better yeah and then yeah
1: well that's a really interesting way to look at i've never it's it's nice to talk to a musician have their idea of what an album should be and Mm -hmm. what's behind it because i gotta tell you like when i'm looking at certain people's cds or albums i'm like curious i'm like who the fuck picked this lineup a song or this order what's it you you mentioned like the Track six seventy being yeah. the what kind of songs?
2: I I said like the weaker, like okay. the the ones that you don't think are quite as strong. Like maybe push those okay. to the middle set, like later. Middle and you section. could be, and you could very much be wrong
1: about the way those songs. Uh, oh yeah, are, like, are to people? I,
2: and I think that that's one thing that I've like the growth that you can see like in my albums for instance if you Mm -hmm. start at the beginning like please don't share with me like what you thought about my first four or five albums like I'm Mm -hmm. I don't want to say ashamed but I'm not as proud of those as I am in the later ones because they're the accumulation of lessons that I learned from what I didn't do correctly Mm -hmm. on earlier albums and so I think that what happens is your better songs get better but also your worst songs get better and so In my last several albums, I think that even the worst songs on there, they made the album for a reason because I wrote even worse songs than that. And I just learned how to dump them. I learned to become a better editor. So like my last album I put out was only nine songs, Mm -hmm. not because I didn't have enough material, but because it's like, well, I wrote. 40 that sucked and they didn't make the album. Okay. These are the 9 that I was like these are knockout songs and the 10th one might not have been, you know.
1: Oh, so you didn't want to like offset that.
2: Yeah, and so okay. you learn to like edit yourself better because it's like I know that I'm getting better as a songwriter and a producer and in my earlier albums I would have just dumped everything and now it's like, well I got a ton of songs but they're not great. You don't have to. Yeah, they're, they're, not. they're not better than what I put out last year and so why even bother? It
1: it's so obvious when at least to me when musicians have material they made and they put it out because that's the number that they were required to put out and not having those B-sides, those songs that got
2: thrown out, cutting
1: room floor. And
2: you know, like if you love an artist, usually the B-sides are like gold. You're like, I want this, but you want it because you respect and you care about the person Mm -hmm. and it's like even their trash is great to you. It's like, this is awesome. it's so
1: interesting because that's some uh, groundwork that was laid down To get to the better songs and like that's something I love about comedy is going to see a comedian when they're working on a new hour and it's not fleshed out in any way Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to watch them kind of like struggle and it's like they're starting over again
2: and if you see like some of the more popular comedians who like Once a year, they'll Mm -hmm. put out a new special. If you see them early on in that process and then you see the special, Mm -hmm. I know for like Allie and I, there's always like, oh, he dropped that bit. And that was when we saw John Mulaney, Mm -hmm. he did like a 15 minute bit about this football player who who was Ray Lewis, I think, who murdered somebody Uh and he had to work with him on a commercial or something. So it was just a 15 minute story about working with a murderer and having to be- like to pretend like he didn't know, but everybody knew. And it was incredible and hilarious and it didn't make his special and it didn't make his next one. And we're like, that bit's gone forever. I want to hear that. That's fucking awesome. That's what I mean. It's like those things I got to see in person. It was the funniest thing, but there's no, like it didn't make the final cut. So it's a B-side. It's just like, it's gone. I want B-side comedy albums. Right. I want (laughs) B-side comedy specials. Yeah. I want
1: bonus material, like- jokes yeah you know stuff that wasn't good enough to make it to the special but they still had and you just watch it mm-hmm. like i think that a joke like that especially if it's a 15 minute bit like someone should have been recording it at some point in time and you can always just have it
2: you know youtube or something yeah.
1: like that's so cool
2: that's something that i still think is like there's a glaring omission in the the, the sort of stand-up world that i would really like to see is mm-hmm. somebody put out either a book or a CD or something where they walk you through like, here's how I wrote these jokes. And like you turn the page of like a coffee table book and it's just a notebook page where you see all these words that are crossed out and they're like, this didn't work. This Mm -hmm. got like molded into this joke. This got dropped. And then as you go on, they show you how they like built a final hour or something. So we, I started with these ideas, like the majority of these sucked, but then as I got better, you can sort of follow my process because that's something that I feel like you can only experience that if you just go out and do it yourself. And I would really like to be a fly um, in the wall in that process. Yeah. yeah, See what it's like without having to do that.
1: Anytime um, I'm listening to a comedy podcast and they discuss their methods or what they do to write and how they do it. Um, I'm fucking all ears. That's my yeah. favorite part. I love when Rogan has comedians on and they talk about how they write and how they, you know, Rogan always records every set on his phone and he listens to it on the way, on his way back from the sto- comedy store or whatever uh-huh. club, listens to it on his phone and he goes, okay, that's good. That's bad. That sucks. And, you know, and that helps him go better, like get better and then I'll go type. And like some people, like um, I really like Stephen King's On Writing. Okay. If yeah. Ever read that book? I haven't. Okay. Um, he talks about so so many like idiosyncrasies of the craft and everything, and how you should write with the door closed at first, and then the door open, and like having a good desk, and just all these like mm-hmm. little important little fucking things that just yeah. made my little geek brain fucking geek <laughs> out. Yeah. And I was so happy. And I was recently watching Orny Adams' latest special that came out on Showtime. Mm-hmm. I like did the Showtime fucking seven-day free trial just so I could watch this goddamn thing because I really love Orny Adams. And at one point, something funny happens, and it kind of messes his flow up, and he has to go um, stage right to look at his set, and it's taped on the wall with, like, a flow chart. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I'm horny for Orny. That was so fucking cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it made me change the way I like wrote my jokes or like the way I uh, put it on paper. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he has a flow to it. Fuck, I need to be making mine into a flow. I need (laughs) to make mine into like, like be more thematic. You know, it can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to do five minutes and I'll have this joke (laughs) and that. Like it needs to like bam, 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 bam. You know, I have some sort of rhythm to it. And I'm not musical in any way. So there's no like progression in the thing that I think of. Mm-hmm. I just think, next thing, next thing, next yeah. thing, next thing. I'm very bullet point oriented. See,
2: Gary Shanling is one of my heroes. I don't know if you, he's like an older comedian, like of the Seinfeld era, but Yeah, rest in peace. His style of writing was he would write topics like Mm -hmm. sex or something Mm -hmm. or drugs Mm -hmm. or whatever, and he would keep them in like an index card folder. So he could go through on topics and be like, okay, I have a new bit and I need something to fit in here. So I'll go to like my food section and pull out all of my food jokes and figure out which one I can insert here and then build this bit. But All day, every day, he would just be writing on index cards like two lines of like a sex joke I thought of on the bus Mm -hmm. and then drop it in the sex section and look at it later. Whoa! And that's, I really aspire to that kind of thing where it's like constantly collecting. Mm -hmm. That's how I've started to write lyrics my last few albums is one or two lines will pop into my head where I'm like, Mm -hmm. that would be a great line to sing. Okay, But I have nowhere to put it yet or I don't have a song about that. So I'll just write it in my notes app. And then when I'm getting to like, I've got a bunch of instrumental songs going and nothing to sing about i'll start to go through and it's like i can pull out this line i need to change the wording around a little bit to fit it into this meter but i i wrote that line two years ago thinking that Mm -hmm. would be great to have in a song eventually and then drop it in that way do you write music with the
1: intention of putting uh lyrics in certain parts that you've written already
2: yeah i write the music first and I hum like a melody over the okay. top of it. And I'm like, okay, so I know the melody, but there's, interesting you know, it, it, that confused a lot of other musicians that I would work with. They'd be like, how do you not know what this song is about? Like, well, I haven't written words to it. Yet. I like, think that that's kn- such a, like
1: an indulgent little, pre- <laughs> like a, such a pretentious approach yeah. to people where it's like, I made the entire thing with this thing this way. Duh. Yeah. And the more I get into music, the more like the craft of it and how people, um, compose it like I like the idea that they don't like the, what, the lyrics aren't the song the, the song's right. the song the music's the song like when and I found I also that think out that's a
2: mind. way that like people who don't do music they think of it that way like I bet this person came up with this amazing poem and then they Mm -hmm. went and set it to music. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, very few songwriters write that way. It's like you sit down at a piano or you sit down with a guitar and you start putting chords together. You hum over the top and you typically have no idea what you're going to sing. And then for me, I record that and I put it away. And then I keep writing other stuff. And then I go back and I listen to those. I'm like, okay, this was good, but now I know what I want to sing about. Or now I know there's sort of a theme of this album that I know. So maybe this one can be about this and then go through my lines Mm -hmm. and go, oh, I had some great lines here. Maybe I can put that here. And then that starts me off with putting together an actual story, but it starts with the musical bed.
1: Did you ever fuck up and put like, oh, I should have put these lyrics to this song, definitely. Or maybe I should have put this
2: this music to these lyrics. I don't think so because I think that I've sort of streamlined the process so much over the years that I've gotten to a point where it's like, you don't fuck around. I I don't put out a song unless I'm positive that I did it right. So like the songs that make my final albums now, it's like, that's two years of like woodshedding that song Mm -hmm. and like making sure that it's like, that line is not strong or I'll play the demo for somebody and Mm -hmm. I'll go, I like it all except the bridge. There's just like, I don't know what I actually want to be saying here. They're like, what are you talking about? You're already saying, yeah, but I know I can say it better, and so it's not okay. done unless I just feel like it's unfinished, it's like wet paint or something. Yeah. It's like it hasn't dried yet, so I need to do that. You don't know it what it's gonna look like until yeah. it's dried. I understand, and that. sometimes it sits for months, and it's like I that song's still not done yet, it's just something hasn't come to me.
1: Something yeah. I really love is, um, like a kind of like a jazz approach musicians have to their own music like yeah. classic music that they've had for a long time I'm talking about like you know people have been around for fucking decades mm-hmm. they'll play their own songs differently yeah I you love get bored that. yeah. dude that's so cool with because <laughs> i've seen bands and i'm like that's not kind of how it goes but that's kind of how yeah. it goes like they'll <laughs> sing it a little different or they'll like skip the whole intro part and i'm mm-hmm. like oh man i wanted to sing along with that part but they skipped it and then they go into it and i'm like oh shit i <laughs> fucking love that shit dude Mm -hmm. holy shit obviously when you see like a big enough act you want it done the exact fucking way (laughs) that you hear it on the radio Mm -hmm. every day at noon when it comes on
2: but Fucking good music is rarely like that. That's that's another thing that I don't have in common with like, I think the majority of people, when the majority of people go see a band that they like, Mm -hmm. they want to hear the hits. They want to hear the songs they love. Mm -hmm. When I go see a band that I love, I want to hear new, I lose my mind when they start playing a song I don't recognize. I'm like, I'm hearing something new that they're just, they haven't even recorded it yet or they have, but haven't released it. I lose my mind at those moments and then they play it's the and hits and I'm a, like, well, they were, of course they were going to play yeah, the hit. It's like, a I'm, really
1: good in the moment feeling. Yeah. Cause you're like,
2: I'm experiencing they this. They
1: could <laughs> die on the fucking bus ride to the hotel. Like I'll, yeah. they'll never be able to do this again. Mm-hmm. I love when I kind of know, this happened with me recently. I, I saw the Melvins, they opened up for the Tours and they did, I don't know too much Melvins, but they have like 30 studio albums. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to comprehend right. anyways. So they were playing plenty of things that I didn't, recognize and it was really exciting because I was just like just enjoying it mm-hmm. I j- was just hearing what they were doing seeing what they were doing getting to see how the fuck they do them and it it was great like I reckon you know the songs I did recognize I was like oh that's cool but I think I was enjoying the shit that I didn't know yeah. way more mm-hmm. it's so fucking cool I really want to be on that level of enjoying music where new music gets me excited and I don't have such a normie casual approach mm-hmm. that m- most civilians have you know yeah. I call people who are, like, not artistically inclined or creatively inclined civilians. <laughs> they're just, like, fucking yeah. civilians. I
2: like that because it's, like, it's demeaning,
1: but who cares? It's, you know, but they're just normal. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? What the fuck? The, you, <laughs> I need those people to come to our shows kind of right. thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's exactly what... You I, have, I was having this conversation with Hannah and Kylie and they were talking about these people who just need to do these fucking nothing jobs in life because mm-hmm. who the fuck else is gonna do them? Right. These people are very important and that's why you should treat them with respect. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you should be rude to, you know, fast food service workers mm-hmm. or maids or anyone you might demean or be classes towards because their position in life, but somebody needs to fucking do it and I'm glad that they're fucking doing it. It's right. really awesome. Yeah. I am one of those fucking people. Someone needs to make your goddamn Frappuccino. I think that fucking, all the time with
2: like the military. It's like, thank you for doing it because I don't want to do it. I sure don't want to be the guy out there doing it and somebody has to. If if I knew that I couldn't get killed
1: or disfigured or disabled in any way from being in the army, I'd Mm -hmm. go be in the army 100%. Yeah. That's my, I was just like, mm, I don't want to do something that like mm, people always die at. Yeah. Like people have never not died doing that. Yeah. So I think I'm not going to do that.
2: I think that all the time with like being a detective or something. It's like, I would love to do detective work, except I don't want people shooting at me, right? Like, I don't want to be on somebody's hit list or I, something. I don't know
1: any detectives that have actually been shot at, though. I, don't I think know. police I don't know. officers. Any, do you know detectives? Uh, maybe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know any detectives, period. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, no, I guess I
2: haven't even talked to a detective
1: okay. except when I found that lady. But I think
2: in order, I, I don't know, I'm, I know—I'm—I know nothing about this, but I think in order to become a detective, you have to, you have to, be, have yeah. to go through police work first and then work your way up to that. Wouldn't that and be I don't so wanna, cool? It would be cool. Got, like, there's a but, part of me.
1: Yeah. W- it wouldn't be cool if
2: they just gave you like an honorary detective status. Oh, yeah. You didn't have to be a beat cop. See, that's part of what I'm thinking with this podcast is what if I just put this podcast out and I do such a killer job Damn. of investigating that somebody's like, "Well, fun for you to be an investigator.
1: Yeah. Uh, Oh, but I, I think I, I about that a... with
2: journalism too. It's like instead of going through college and mm-hmm. doing journalism classes, what if I just become such a great writer that people are like, we'll hire you yeah. just on merit. You do a great job. So why would we not? I think that's how things should be. Mm-hmm. And
1: that there's some people that do need those, uh, vocational kind of training or yeah. whatever to get through that. Mm-hmm. Like some people need more fundamental. Th- th- when I said honorary detective thing, I was thinking of this person, uh, He's a legendary UFC fighter. Um, Matt Hughes, he got like an honorary black belt in jujitsu, mm-hmm. And he's not a jiu-jitsu guy. He's a wrestler. He's a division one college wrestler, insane wrestling, you know. And when you're that good of a wrestler, you don't get tapped out or submitted by jujitsu jiu- players. So I was thinking, fuck, that's so cool. He was so good at grappling That they, you know, essentially he got a fucking black belt and being that and he never had to go through. But some people like myself need to know the fundamentals, the fundamentals and go from fucking white belt, blue belt, purple and up to there. Because, you know, that's how I don't, I don't just get an honorary this belt because I'm not that good at it. Mm -hmm. But if like you're that good at writing or that that great at investigating, you should absolutely be able to ching (laughs) fucking here I am. Right. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, how much of this investigation is fueled just by your consumption of like TV shows and shit like that?
2: Um, I don't know. I think that comes more in the the way that I'm presenting it probably. Like, okay. I, I'm definitely learning from watching documentaries that do it right. And even documentaries that do it really poorly, what I do and don't want to do in the presentation. But the investigating what happened and calling people out of the mm-hmm. blue and interviewing them and asking them questions and finding connections and stuff that part is sort of just coming from a personal interest place like i'm a very very like to a fault a curious person if you like drop something on me where like my mom does this all the time so like one of your friends from high school came in and they said to tell you hi who was it well they had brown hair and they were like five six i'm like oh my god fucker everyone (laughs) has brown hair and they're five and a half feet mom it's like I need specifics because I won't sleep at night if I don't know right. who came I in. Need to know. And right, so that's I want to know what happened to this girl. I want to know where she ended up. I want to know where her body is today. I want to know how I, it happened. I, exactly. I want all of that stuff. I want to know. So, like, she went to a party the night she disappeared, but nobody who was at the party will talk everybody's quiet because it was like a fraternity thing. They're all in a frat together. And so they're afraid if they talk, their frat's going to lose their charter or something, or they're going to be held responsible. So they won't talk. And I'm like, dude, if any of you would tell me what happened to that party, like just because I'm so curious to know what was that. I have been asking everybody I've talked to, what kind of music was playing at the party? Cause that's where I want to start. Like, do you remember any songs that were on the radio? Do you remember like what was going on? And so I've gotten some answers there and I got some people who were at the party to actually talk to me for the first time and share the story of, yeah, I saw her there and here's what she was doing and here's what happened. And here's like how she left and all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's come just from a place of my own curiosity. And like, I'm not going to sleep until one of these people agrees to tell their story. I, when
1: I was doing the research for you for this podcast, um, I got so sucked into the whole Christian Smart thing. I yeah. read that giant fucking dissertation on Mustang News.com oh, yeah. or whatever. And mm-hmm. holy fuck, I learned so much about it that I never knew mm-hmm. and that were like I didn't know were details that I wanted to know and they were like really interesting. Just everything from people I didn't realize how many people like are pl- very aware of like who did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like everyone's like, oh right. yeah, no, we know it's because in my head as a kid, like you had mentioned you were what? You were eight years old when this happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was around like five, six, seven, eight years old when I saw the sign in AG,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I, and I was like, what, what the fuck? Like someone, someone's that happened to someone when that happened Yeah. a long time ago. Oh, it's still, why is that still <laughs> up there? Like right. we're not doing something more about that. Like that was pivotal. So I had that same connection with you when you had mentioned it being burning in your head. Like how could someone that happened to someone yeah. in this um, part
2: of the, where we live. That's fucked up. And because the sign says missing for years, I just thought they can't find her. Like they don't know what happened. She just up and vanished in the middle of something. And then like you said, you start reading about it and you're like, wait a minute. They know everything that happened to her up until she was with this guy alone. And then the guy shows up the next day with a black eye and scratches and stuff. It's like, they know what happened. They just don't know how it went down. And then especially they don't know what he did with her. But I, so I just met with, I I went up to Stockton, Mm -hmm. the house that Kristen grew up in. I just spent two days there with her parents in that house, talking about all this stuff and walking through like, what was Kristen like as a baby? What was Mm -hmm. Kristen like as a toddler? What was she like when you had other kids? And was she a good older sister? And when she went away to school and stuff every detail they'd be willing to tell me. And we just walked through a bunch of stuff. And one of the things that her mom is most frustrated about is that this is still referred to as a disappearance. Yeah, It's like she did not disappear. Somebody kidnapped her took her against her will and then she lost her life in the process yeah. and then he disposed of her body. Yeah. That's what happened. It's a kidnapping. And she's like, I wish people would refer to it as a kidnapping it- and not a disappearance. But it's like, if you go to Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page is called The Disappearance of Kristen yeah, Smart. like exactly. When I announced the podcast, it's like, I'm investigating mm-hmm. the disappearance of Kristen Smart because that's how it's classified. But her family views this as a kidnapping and likely murder, if not stemming from an accident but then it's like okay she choked on her vomit or whatever Mm -hmm. you're gonna try to get out of this with she choked on her vomit but then you don't bury her corpse somewhere and not tell her family what happened that's insane so i just got
1: this idea in my head right now and it's not even what i think but here's maybe what happened i think that he was raping her and then she choked on her own vomit and died and then they were gonna find out that he was raping her so he hit her body to get and maybe that's what happened.
2: I think that's very likely, yeah. At, you- at the very least, because there were some people he told, yeah, I took her to my room. We had mm-hmm. consensual sex. Okay. I went to take a shower. I fell asleep or whatever. I woke up and she was dead. She had choked on her vomit. Okay. And it's like, okay, it's never, ever, ever I mean, this is just something that we're talking about more these days. It's never consensual sex if the girl was too drunk that you had to carry her home. If she couldn't stand and three of you had to carry her back onto campus and you were the last one tasked with getting her to her room, you can't have sex with her while she's in that state. It's never consensual. Even if she said, sure, let's go to your room, you cannot do that. But that's part of why I wanted to establish. So one of my whole episodes is about, hey, this guy did this to lots of people. Mm -hmm. Everybody in high school that he went to high school with, I've been calling them on Mm -hmm. the phone and everybody has a story. Every girl is like, he would show up at parties, he would grab girls' butts. Mm -hmm. Like he creeped every girl out. And so laying out this pattern of all these things this guy did over the years, yes, he ended up alone with Kristen Smart, and like, but he's the type of person that preyed on girls his entire life. Yeah, that's and he's still doing that. Like to oh, this really? day, he's still preying on girls. He's got a drinking problem. Like mm-hmm. he's got seven DUIs. That's it, crazy. it's yeah. seven. Mm-hmm. I knew he had some DUIs. I know he had seven. Right. So this is like not a moral person to begin with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think she lost her life as the result of whether they were in the middle of sex or whether it was after sex. She lost her life at some point. Maybe she tried to scream and he strangled her. That's yeah. also a possibility. Like I said, we can't know what happened in the room. But once she's dead, he he then... And and this is fuzzy, like the details are fuzzy, but more and more it seems like he probably called his dad. His dad came up and they like rolled up her body mm-hmm. in a blanket and put her out the window into the dad's car okay. and then brought her somewhere to bury her. Do you think... And Go ahead, finish. No, and so... I have some pretty strong ideas of where they took her to now, like with the more I've been researching this about where they put her, but they like certainly disposed of her body that morning. And that's the biggest problem here is like, okay, so she choked on her vomit or you strangled her or whatever happened. Okay. What'd you do with her body? Like her parents are still alive. They're miserable. Like they're, I mean, they, they have very happy lives. They have two other kids both grown, wonderful people, both have children. Mm -hmm. They go on vacations constantly. Like they are very happy family with a total hole in their heart, like a Kristen shaped hole, you know, it's like what happened to our oldest daughter and they can never rest until they know. And it's like, how could you not even just anonymously, just send an anonymous letter. That's like, look, her body's at the top of this mountain. And like, I mean, this is a morbid thought, but the way that a body decomposes and all that, like so many years have passed, she's skeletonized now. Like they're going to find a skeleton. They are most likely not going to be able to prove cause of death. And so if this guy would just send an anonymous letter that's like, here's where she is. It'd bring a modicum bones. of peace to them. Yes, and they even, would yeah. probably not be able to charge him because it's like there's not enough proof that he did it. Like there's no skin or clothing or mm-hmm. anything left to test for DNA. So he'll probably get away with it once they find her skeleton unless it's somewhere like in his backyard, which there's a chance that it might be. So I was when I was
1: doing research for this episode, I realized that it's called Your Own Backyard Podcast and you had mentioned how it, oh, like, that's crazy how something in our own backyard, someone can disappear. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, no, like your own, like it's, the, yeah, her both. body might be in her, his own, own backyard. Yeah. Like that's where it might be. Like it's a strong suspicion. So I was bringing um, you coming over to my, I brought that up to my brother and was telling him what I was doing and what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, um, does you know like she's buried underneath the one of the whatever building on Cal Poly because they put concrete the next day Mm -hmm. and I was like whoa what the fuck like no that's what you think happened yeah holy shit and I I had never heard that I didn't hear any suspicion about that I didn't see that in the like dissertation I didn't see anything about that
2: anywhere where do you strongly think she it could be? like There are a couple places that I don't even want to say because I have not been able to look into them yet or I know things that it's like, Mm -hmm. look, I need to look at this area but I don't want to say why I want to look at that area. okay So there's two or three places where I'm like, okay, there is a very strong likelihood that the family had... so, So for one, people don't dispose of bodies in places they're not familiar with. You don't get rid of a body like just the profile of somebody disposing of a body. They don't get rid of a body somewhere where they're not already familiar with it because you're chancing that somebody will accidentally find it Mm -hmm. you can't check on it to make sure that it's like good and buried and there's no sign of it Mm -hmm. you don't know if there's animals in the area that are going to dig it up and so you you bury it somewhere you can keep an eye on basically or somewhere that you go so regularly that you're comfortable putting it there because you know what the typical traffic is like so I've been studying this family and like what they did for work where they went during the day like where their friends lived properties that they had interests in or places that they had access to at the time. And there's two or three that just keep coming up that I'm like, okay, we really seriously need to look at this. And the sheriffs haven't, like they haven't done that, that same work to get to that place and go, oh, this is somewhere we need to look at. And even if they did, they'd be like, well, we don't have the funds. There's not a strong enough reasonable cause to get on that property or whatever. Um, there's a really strong possibility that she started out in his mom's backyard, which is in Arroyo Grande, mm-hmm. um, because there, a lot of weird stuff happened there. Um, cadaver dogs have alerted on the mm-hmm. outskirts of the property. Yeah. Um, what The family who was renting the house out immediately after Kristen disappeared, mm-hmm. are you? No, 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 you're out? good,
1: you're good. Okay. I was gonna, um, go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. Tell me what you want. The earring. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this family rented out the house uh, a few months after Kristen disappeared and they had just cut out these planter boxes in the concrete of the backyard Mm -hmm. and filled them with soil, but there's no plants in them yet. They're just soil. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the woman who was living in the house was washing her car and she found an earring it's mm-hmm. uh, like silver teardrop shape with like a little piece of turquoise in the middle mm-hmm. and it had what looked like a little bloody fingerprint on it like somebody had blood on their mm-hmm. hands and like smeared a little bit of blood and it had dried so it was like dark brown and mm. So she put it in a Ziploc bag and saved it and then the next time detectives came over and they were like, are you guys hiding something? Are you helping them? They're like, no, we know nothing, but we did find this in our backyard if that helps. They turned it over to the detectives and that earring was lost and never seen again. Fucking ridiculous. And so we have no idea to this day. Like they didn't test the blood so we don't know whose it was and they didn't show it to the parents to say, is this something that your daughter would have worn? And. So I actually, I interviewed that woman who found the earring. Oh, I like really? went wow. to her house and sat with her for hours and Holy talked. Shit. And, but lots of people like that who have a little piece of the puzzle, but they don't know other people's stories. So they're telling me oh, stuff that they don't even realize shit. as they're saying it. I'm like, oh my God, I heard a story from someone else who told me this. And so there's there's like a garbage can that comes into play here that ended up in that backyard. That, oh, really? Um, and another person told me a story about a garbage can that they saw him stealing. And so it's like, I wonder if they know that they described this garbage can the exact same way. And if she was transported in that or if her maybe her clothing was moved in that or it was used to like burn her clothes or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest tell of all to me is that to this day, his mom lives in that house. Like she kicked the renters out after the earring thing and she moved in herself, but now 22 years have passed and she still lives there. People honk all the time. People hold up signs outside of her house. They have candlelight vigils that walk past her house. And all she does is calls the cops on them every day. There's some incident where she's calling the cops I mean, not every day, but pretty constantly for 22 years. It's like you could move anywhere and live a peaceful life, but you live in this house. But then who knows what could happen to the
1: body that's potentially in there.
2: Right. Or, or some sign, whether the body's there or not that maybe she's afraid that they're going to test the soil and they're going to find DNA in it, Mm -hmm. or whether she knows that there's pieces of something buried in the backyard or in who knows. And so the fact that she still chooses to live there after all of this time is a big tell to me that she's guarding something. Yeah. He's like afraid to leave it alone because someone's going to find it. Is his dad still alive? Yeah. Okay. And he lives like a half mile from the mom. Okay. Okay. And I I had surmised that they were separated. Yeah, they separated, but they they live in separate houses, but they've stayed close over the years probably Mm -hmm. because of this, because they have a vested interest in making sure their son doesn't get put away.
1: And I was thinking that someone who grew up as predatory as him Mm -hmm. probably grew up in a household with um something malicious parents in some way shape or form so these people that are capable of raising someone that could do that Mm -hmm. to someone are also capable of hiding it and helping it yeah because i know some people that are like oh if you did that sorry i'm selling your ass out to the cops yeah you know and then i know other people who were like oh no like call me if you need to help Mm -hmm. fucking hide the body. And
2: like the, I mean, the best predictor of past or future behavior is past behavior. Right. And so it's like, if you want to know whether or not these are the types of people that would help their son bury a body and Mm -hmm. keep it hidden. Well, they are the types of people who would let their son get seven DUIs and each time bail him out of jail, like pay for all of the court proceedings, hire him lawyers. Yeah, because so every they, time he goes to jail, they think that, that it's going to be the Kristen thing too. Yeah. It's going to lead yeah. to that. And so whatever it takes to keep their son out and not getting in trouble, they will do. And it's like, well, then you are the types of parents who would help him bury a body too. Because you'll-
1: He's they're in his 40s just as culpable now.
2: because they're
1: old and they know that they, they're fucking going to jail too. Yeah if this is found out. Mm -hmm. So their vested interest is, maybe they were just doing things, they were being really rash and helping him, and then they go, oh fuck, now like our livelihood, yeah, Yeah. like we're in jeopardy Mm -hmm. too, not just dipshit predatory (laughs) asshole dude. Right. Fucking crazy. It is. God, and honestly, um, how easy is it to look at him or his mugshot, whether it be uh, today or um, back in the 90s, Mm -hmm. and go, oh yeah, this guy's bad. Uh-huh. This guy's fucking evil looking. Did you see that? You know that photo his coworker took of him when he worked yes. at Coca-Cola? Uh-huh. I was looking at him and I was like, that guy looks like someone who fucking kills people. Come mm-hmm. on. And then the fucking old picture. Oh, so I didn't know that soundbite was him on the teaser for oh, the yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. And then oh, it gave me chills and I heard it and I realized that was him. Yeah. And I saw like the clip and everything. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> dude, dude looks like a school shooter. Yeah. This is before Columbine. So I think that he definitely if this didn't happen and if Columbine would have happened around like a sooner time, mm-hmm. he would have been a shooter.
2: 100%. Yeah. And 100%. This is one thing I have to establish in the podcast because it's audio only and uh-huh. I'm telling the story. His name is Paul Flores. Mm-hmm. And so immediately you get this image in your head and it's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. He's not like you're picturing him. Like yeah. he's not Hispanic. Yeah. His dad is Hispanic. Um, But he is like, he, you're right. He does look like a very typical sort of white school shooter mm-hmm. type, like, Skinny boy, awkward, Mm. like strawberry blondish hair. Um, But so I started talking to all these girls that he went to high school with and all of them had the same experience. Like he was always in the room and he just had this vibe that would creep you out. He wasn't friendly and he wasn't like social. He would just stare at people. And so even then, even before the thing happened with Kristen Smart, he was making women uncomfortable, not even knowing that he was potentially a future killer of some kind. And so yeah, there's there's a vibe there that people were picking up on way before he was the suspect in this which now people might judge him based on that.
1: How much um
2: like guilt or Have, did you talk to Cheryl Anderson or Tim Davis? Yeah? <laughs> no. So those people will absolutely not talk to anybody. They they like early on they um the Smart Family's attorneys had depositions and they were like, hey, everybody who was involved with this needs to come in and we're just going to ask you all these questions on the record. Uh, Cheryl showed up for it, but Tim refused to show up, which is actually against the law. But he just didn't come and was never prosecuted or anything. It, yeah. yeah, and uh, But Cheryl did show up and told her story and it's like, look, here's the route we walked. Here's everything I know. And then when she was done with that, she's like, I'm never talking about this for the rest of my life. Like I want to have nothing to do with this. And a lot of people keep saying, well, there's a chance because they're getting older and they have kids of their own now. So they can imagine what it would be like to lose one that maybe they'll talk now. They absolutely have refused to speak. They won't talk to anybody.
1: Have you attempted to talk to either of them? No,
2: but I have both of their phone numbers and I have Friends of theirs that I've talked to, and each time I've talked to one of their friends, they're like very protective of them. Like, Cheryl would never have lied about this. Like, she's a very good person. And so I'm like, Will you let her know that I'm working on this and just Mm -hmm. tell her I'm not going to bother her because I know she doesn't want to talk. But if there's any chance she'd be willing to, I'd love to. And none of them have gotten any response from her. So I think they're aware that I'm doing this, but they're just, there are even people who have nothing to hide who refuse to talk to me when I called them that are just like I don't want to get involved with this because it was a bad time of my life and mm-hmm. it brings up too many bad memories. I don't want my name attached to it in any way. Yeah. Like it, and the the number one question I've gotten from people that I've called is how did you get this number? Mhm. Like well I've talked to a lot of people and so anybody I've talked to who has any connection to anyone else will give me that person's first and last name I can usually find their name I can find out where they're living now and Mm -hmm. find their phone number like everything's on the internet and then from knowing people there's people I've dug up that's like I wasn't able to track them down, but this person is still friends with them and said, you should talk to this guy. And But everybody's like, how did you get this number? Because I don't want to talk about this mm-hmm. and I've never wanted to be attached to it yeah, in any way. So I no. Bet. And a few people have said, I'll talk to you, but I don't want it recorded or put on the podcast. Like I'll answer your questions if that helps you get answers, but I don't want to be involved with the actual podcast in any way. Do you even want to bother with those people? Yeah, because I do have a lot of questions that only okay. they can answer. Okay. Um. I, I probably shouldn't say who some of them were because they yeah, asked me not yeah, to, but certain people who it's like, you were here at this time and you were here at this time and nobody else was. So I really need to know, did it happen like this or did it happen like this? And so mm-hmm. they're correcting like, yeah, the official story. Like there's a lot of things in the official story that have been retold that okay. are absolutely inaccurate. Like they've just been told the wrong way so many times that you, people just give believe us it. Like give for example, couple? like- um, So the story is that on Friday evening, Kristen was getting ready to go to a party and her roommate was like, hey, I'll see you after the weekend's over. I'm gonna head out of town to stay with my family. And that was the last time she was seen by her roommate. So her roommate comes back into town three days later. And when she walks in, she sees all this stuff on the bed and is like, "Uh uh-oh, Kristen never came back to the room because it's all undisturbed. That's been the story for 23 years. That's how everybody tells it. And all of the people that I've talked to who were in that dorm building were like, that did not happen. Like her roommate never, ever left town. She was there the entire time.
1: Oh, okay. So, cause I haven't even heard the roommate thing. So yeah. So that's, if you so. watch
2: like Unsolved Mysteries mm-hmm. or like the little spots they did 30 minute, TV shows about it. They all recap it the same way. They show like a reenactment with Mm -hmm. the roommate leaving Mm -hmm. and Kristen's putting on her makeup and then she goes out to a party. She never comes back from it, but nobody knows that because her roommate's not there. But the fact is her roommate was there the entire time. And so that completely changes the narrative. Like, okay, what happened? Like, how did nobody report her missing? If- her roommate knew she wasn't coming back to her room.
1: Well, yeah, because to me, um, I was reading, that I don't think that anybody had any idea that she was missing and some people just figured out, oh, like they just, sometimes you just have an unannounced departure yeah, from especially campus the It's Memorial Day
2: weekend, so it's like yeah, they had the Monday off. Maybe, they, maybe she went camping, maybe she went out with her friends. But then there were a lot of signs like, oh, she didn't take her wallet with her. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't take her room key with her. She didn't take, you know, she, she only brought one change of clothes with her. The clothes she was wearing, I mean. yeah. Um, and so there were lots of signs like, no, something definitely happened. But early on, yeah, they treated it like just a. she just went and hung out with her friends. That's a problem that the parents have to this day with Cal Poly is that Cal Poly investigated this the same way they would report, they would investigate like if you reported your bicycle missing. Yeah. It's like, my bicycle's gone. And they're like, we'll keep an eye out for it. But like, what do you want us to do? Well, like do an investigation. Like- Actually and one so of your Cal Poly, students
1: is in yeah. here. What the fuck?
2: And so Cal Poly had no resources to investigate something like this. This is like not something that ever happens on a college campus in San Luis Obispo Consistently, at this point. Yeah. Um so they, they didn't know what they were doing. They like did they did the best they could at the time, I think, but there were a lot of really amateurish mistakes made. Like they didn't search the guys. Room his dorm room until Mm -hmm. like two weeks after Kristen disappeared. Cleaned everything. They cleaned everything. He had moved out and taken all of his stuff home (sighs) with him. They lost a lot of opportunity there, and they didn't even they didn't look in her room for like a week and a half or something. It's like what were you waiting for? Like her to come home? Like they just thought she went, like I said, camping or out with friends somewhere and didn't tell anybody. Do you
1: think uh, Cheryl Anderson and Tim Davis aren't talking because they realize how? integral they are to paul essentially t- getting to kristen because I thought, they were walking yeah. to, from what i understand the story is that yeah. they were walking her to her dorm room mm-hmm. and he had joined up right and they were like okay fucker and he, then he said oh no it's fine all it was insisted on walking her home or yeah. walking her to the dorm and then they departed ways like right there mm-hmm And they realized that maybe that was not the wisest decision and this resulted in this fuck, maybe they did have a bad feeling and they just wanted to get away from the guy and they were just like, fuck, just get away from weirdo ass. Yeah. Paul Flores and then he- walked her to her dorm room and maybe that's where it happened maybe it happened in his dorm I, um was he walking to her room or his room his room his room so, okay so he was
2: suppo- he actually told Cheryl I'll take her to her room uh-huh. so that's what he was supposed to do okay. but then when the police finally interviewed him he said well I went to my room and she went to hers and it's like but you said she couldn't stand on her own like and you told Cheryl you'd get her back safely to her room mm-hmm. so if you just knocked Why? off at your room and yeah. let her walk the rest of the way alone Why you, would you failed say like that? You, yeah but But then he told his own roommate that he walked her to her dorm Mm -hmm. made sure she got in and then went back to his dorm. So there he's already telling two different stories that don't make sense. Um, As far as Cheryl and Tim, I did think early on, like at least Cheryl, I think she feels probably pretty guilty about this. Like, Mm -hmm. how could I trust that guy? How could I not see? She, Cheryl referred to him as Chester the molester before (laughs) this incident. I've heard that. So like she was creeped out by him before. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she would leave a drunk, incapacitated girl alone with him has probably weighed on her and makes her feel awful. But uh, the more that I've learned about what actually happened, I think that what it is, including with people like I said, people who have nothing to do with this, who still don't want to talk to me. Early on, the police asked them so many questions and kept, they would show up at their job and ask them questions. They'd show up at home and ask them questions. They'd show up at their parents' home and leave a business card, like have them call me that they burnt out early on. Like, look, I've told you everything I know. This is a major inconvenience on my life. Now, please leave me alone. I never want to talk about this again. I wonder what that's like. Yeah, so, so for somebody like Cheryl Anderson, it's like, yeah, tell, tell your story. But from her perspective, she's like, I have told my story like a lot of times and they haven't found her with that information. So why would I go on a podcast or a TV show or anywhere and retell the exact same details? I don't know anything more than what I've said. No, and, and, that, and do you think that's her mindset? I do. Yeah. I definitely think that's her mindset. The problem I have with it is, well, because she was never found, I'm sorry that it's an inconvenience on her life. It's an inconvenience on everyone's life. You just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You got wrapped up in this thing that is not your fault, but you were there. And so, yeah, you have to deal with the inconveniences that come along with that. I'm sorry. But until this girl is found, it's not over. Well, and avoiding talking
1: about it is her way of avoiding that and coping. So, yeah, maybe that's why. I kind of disagree with the idea that she wouldn't be understanding to the possibility of her story being retold, having some sort of informational um, uh, contribution mm-hmm. because, you know, she's a college educated person. And yeah. I think that mm-hmm. it's not outside the realm of possibility that she could fucking help today yeah. mm-hmm. you know i'm not trying to guilt trip her or people to get on her ass about providing something yeah but i don't know that's just my thought um <sighs> jesus it planted this seed in my life very early on that like oh bad things are real they're not just in movies
2: yeah mm-hmm. it's
1: not just like a concept that is foreign yeah to me as a child like it was it it reading about the story listening to the story and the fascination i have with just the 90s and that time period because i was born what year did it happen 96 so i was like one years old when this <laughs> happened i was a year and a month old when this happened mm-hmm. this era that i grew up in in my very developmental years i have like these very like faint memories of and the culture and the my brother and sister were you know, are about your age, so mm-hmm. they grew up around that time, and they were. I have all these different kind of like the music, the fashion, yeah, the, all of these things in my head, and r- getting into this now and reading more about Chris and Smart and the the possibility of like youth and someone my age around that age at least being in this position. I'm I'm sucked in, and I feel like I'm stuck now until that she, until she's found until yeah. that's brought to justice mm-hmm. because it i I've just some people can't get over things and now i'm i'm feeling my it lend more and more of myself to it yeah you talking about it me doing the research about it it always being like a thought in my back of my head you know anytime like when you hear about natalie holloway or any of these people, any of these things, it's all like, oh, it's like the Kristen Smart thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's right. the no, that's the first time. That's, that's the thing. When yeah, you hear about school shootings, you. you think about Columbine. Yeah, you think about terrorist attacks. We kind of measure that up to nine eleven now. Mm-hmm. It's like that is my punctuation, my benchmark for it.
2: Yeah. So. That, that's why when I got really interested on it in it, I'm like, how has nobody already covered this? Like there, like I said, there's been spots on, there's a TV show called Vanished. There was a TV show called True Crime with Aphrodite Jones that both did like 30 minute spots on it. So uh-huh. they covered all the details in the span of 30 minutes, which is not a long time Doesn't to go into justice. it. So it's like, how has nobody done either a long form podcast documentary about this or like a Netflix documentary or something? It's just prime for that sort of thing thing, But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they hadn't. And so for a long time, it was like, man, I really want to try it. But I don't have the skills to do that. I don't know what it would take to do that. And so I just started writing out episodes like if I were going to do it, here's how I would break it down. And then that changed many times and I started to get more serious about it the the turning point for me was when I actually met her mom in person and then we had a conversation about it and it was like okay she's open to it and she's like a very sweet person in the family or they're good people and once you get to know that it's like now I really care about what happened to their daughter and then it was the same with learning about Kristen like the way I describe her in the first episode is like, she's just a face on a billboard. That's how I grew up. Like she's a face on a billboard that I see every once in a while and a lot of other people see, but that's all we know about her. It's still there, right? Yeah, it's still there to this day. And once I started learning about what kind of music she listened to, like the way she was with her little brother, like the things about her personally, I was like, okay, I really like this girl. This is like a really good person that something terrible happened to. And I have an opportunity to, tell her story in a way that gets it out to an audience that hasn't heard about it yet or gets them information that they hadn't read about before like things like the earring there's some things you find like on the Wikipedia page or on YouTube but there's other things I've found that it's like nobody knows this story oh my god this is like a good 20 minute story that I can lay out with music and interviews and people telling their side and me questioning their side and all that stuff. That's so amazing how this project has pieced
1: together your knack for prolific working like a project you have Mm -hmm. a project but it also has like an emotional investment too and it's blended so well i think that this podcast is going to be a very very good thing Mm -hmm. and it's only going to lend itself to it's just going to bring everyone closer to kristen i hope so yeah like physically if
2: nothing else just to set up like hopefully hey here's for this story yeah. yeah
1: Like, I think that, I think this is a really important thing you're doing and a really big thing you're doing. And I wish I could tell you how I felt the moment, in the moment when I found out you were doing it. But if it's even like close to like the way I feel now, it, it was planting the seed of like fascination. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my imagination's running wild with like the possibilities of how this goes after yeah and the more and more invested I'm becoming in this too, the more excited I am for all of those possibilities to arise and be fleshed out and i I know we had spoke about going down south at one point and everything. I don't know if you did that um but I'm still open to that too, yeah and wholeheartedly,
2: yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see how it plays out and I mean, I'm very stressed about the pressure I've put on myself now because unfortunately I did have to announce it at a certain point so that it's like people who know things and people who don't know what's going on will maybe reach out to me and giving them the opportunity to do that. And so I put it out on her birthday, which was in February, just as a Like this is a good time to announce what I'm doing, put together this trailer, Mm -hmm. try to make it hard hitting so that people are interested. And then I announced that we'll be out summer and now we're like, Crawling towards the end of summer. And it's like, oh my God, it just keeps getting better though. Like, I just went to her family's house two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like, well, now I met a bunch of her childhood friends and they sat with me for hours and shared stories about things she liked to do and places they went. And I'm like, can we go sit in my car so I can interview you about this privately? Mm -hmm. And they brought photo albums to show me and like letters she wrote them and stuff. And it's like, oh my God, if I had had this. Months and months ago, I might be able to put it all together and get it out by summertime. But right now, getting it now, it's like, oh my God, I don't know if I have enough time to put this all together. Right now, like episode one is almost finished and like it won't get put out till all the other episodes are close so that I know that I can get them out weekly. But episode one is already like an hour and 20 minutes long and still potentially might get longer. So it's like episode one in itself is like a full length feature. And it's just about her life from when she was born until the night of the party. Um, And then everything else is later episodes. This entire time we've been
1: talking about this, I feel like I've been on the verge of tears because (laughs) of how um, special it is to watch this kind of play out. Yeah. And how human it is and also how kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Like it's bigger than us
2: yeah in a
1: big way yeah it's, to absolutely. me it, it absolutely is something that deserves the spotlight
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's crazy to be
2: like a in a community part of it yeah. Let me tell you this story because yeah, I don't have please. another avenue for this story I don't want it to be part of the podcast. Um, this guy called me um kind of was like maybe April or may mm-hmm. um, called me out of the for first he sent me an Instagram message oh, okay, and said, okay. Did I tell you this story? No, right? no. Okay. I was going to say, did he call you? He called you. He, he got your okay. He sent me an Instagram message and said, I know where Kristen's body is. Call me. And of course it's like, okay, what do you have to say? Like he mm-hmm. might be important. So I called him and I just thought he probably doesn't know anything, but I'll give him the opportunity to share what mm-hmm. he does know. And then the first thing he's like, dude, the body's in the mom's backyard. And I'm like, okay, so that's not new information and that's something you could learn from five minutes of Googling this. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, yeah, that's a very strong possibility. And we started talking and within like two or three minutes, he was like, so what the hell are you going to do about this? Like, are you going to just talk about it? You're just going to like tell this story? Like this story has already been told before. Why are you going to waste people's time? What a cunt. And so I just kind of like tried to like, politely get off the phone with him. And we ended up staying on the phone for like an hour wow. because I was trying to like talk him down mm-hmm. and I was unfairly trying to convince him that what I'm doing is worthy of like, no, I'm doing something different. And he just started going off. And I was like, you just have to, you have to hear it. Like, you're not going to, you can't go off on me about what you think I'm doing. If you don't even know what I'm doing yet. Yeah, what a prick. And he's like, he's like, I don't care what you're doing. Like, you're just wasting everybody's time. You're going to like hurt the family. And I was like, I didn't want to tell him because it's like, it's none of his business, but it's like, I'm like, yeah, I've talked to his her mom several times now and like, her mom and I are cool. Like we've yeah. we've had dinner together. Like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to give him that though because it's like, that's none of his business. I don't yeah. have to justify this in any way. Mm-hmm. But he just went off on me the whole time about how he thinks that I'm trying to get famous with this and that my only goal with this is to make money off of her name. And he doesn't even know, he started giving me all these details like, dude, the guy, like he is married and has his own kids now. And so he's just like getting on with his life. And it's like, no, that's not true. He's not married and he doesn't have kids. And he was like, dude, this Happened like 40 years ago. Okay. It's like, he doesn't know anything. It's just, and so, yeah, he really was a douchebag to me on the phone. And then later that night we got off the phone and it ended with me saying, look, I can't convince you like until you see it, you know? And he's like, well, I'm never going to listen to it because I know you're not going to solve it. And I don't want my time wasted. So I'm not even going to bother to listen to it. Fuck you. Goodbye. And we got off the phone. He texted me at like one in the morning and said, dude, I just found your trailer and watched it and I got chills. Like, I'm sorry I was harsh on you. You're totally going to solve this.
1: Motherfucker, dude. He's probably going to listen to this now (laughs) and he's
2: going to hear me calling him a cunt. He shouldn't have been a prick. I don't know. He doesn't pay attention to anything I do, except like to criticize but like i really want to know his name but after i'll tell you later yeah um but anyway so so getting calls like that it's like okay now i gotta seriously vet people before i'm willing to talk to them on the phone i had some lady tell me that she'll she knows where Kristen's body is but she's only willing to talk if i meet her at the dog park in napomo and like only on a certain day of the week and i was like can i call you on the phone and she said my phone drops calls you have to meet me tomorrow And it's just like, okay, goodbye. You you never talked to her? No, no, I didn't. And I I actually checked with several people first and everybody I talked to was like, that lady's nuts. Like, okay, good. Like, and well, if she knew where nuts. the body was, she would have done something a long time ago. So, yeah, what But a there are people who know what happened. There are people who have gotten little pieces of the story who are afraid to come forward, but not people like this, where they're going to like Instagram DM you and be like, I know where the body is. Well, then go get the reward money. Like, There's $75,000 on the line. If you really know where the body is, That's go take care easy. of it. But don't call the guy working on a podcast and rip into him because you think he's trying to make a name for himself. Off the- and I actually asked him because- He's like, nobody's even going to listen to your podcast. Like nobody's even going to bother to listen. And I was like, okay, did you know who I was like a month ago? And he's like, no, I've never heard of you. And I said, but you've heard of me now. And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, the podcast isn't even out yet. Yeah. And you're already learning who I am because I announced that I was doing a podcast. So uh, that is absolutely not my motivation though. What? I'm not doing this to get, who does, who's- An idiot, I hate this guy. <laughs> How old is who he? Who wastes a year and a half of their life to try to make a name for themselves with a, a true crime podcast about a missing person. It's like, that's not how people are getting honestly. Yeah. And how cliche
1: is it for someone to have like a true crime podcast today?
2: Yeah. It's not. And a true crime podcast. I mean, in like technically when people think of true crime podcasts, it's, this it's yeah. you and I sitting here mm-hmm. going and then so anyway she's walking home she turns the corner oh my god that's crazy yeah. isn't that crazy yeah. and then we do that for an hour and that's the end of it what I'm doing is like a completely different like I it's almost a seen, disservice
1: to call it a true crime uh, po- podcast
2: yeah, because I keep it's calling invested. it a documentary series it's I like, like that an audio like documentary that. series and it's like or this American life or something where they're telling a long-form story, yeah. it's like five episodes of that in a row about different aspects of this case and how it played out. And I'm absolutely not doing it for any other reason except that I'm super curious to know what happened myself. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that nobody else is talking about it on in that sort of platform. So it's like, I don't have the experience to do something like this, but I have, like you were talking about, I have little pieces here and there. I make my own music, so I'm scoring it. I've interviewed people for stories before, so I'm doing that. I've put together podcasts before, so I'm doing that. Just all these little things that I have developed over the years, that come together to make this thing. And it's like, I'll do the best that I can, but Mm -hmm. a production company with a lot of money could do a way better job at this than I could but I don't think they would take the time that I've taken to get to know everybody involved and really form some relationships and that that's what I meant when I said
1: this is so fantastic that you're blending something with such emotional vulnerability and like also like a creative outlet because you're really investing that part of yourself into it and you know you've gone up to stockton and you have interviewed these people and you've vetted fucking weirdos I don't know. I'm just so proud to know you and to be like, even like a, just like an onlooker, just observer
2: of it. It's so fucking cool. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, really excited. It's kind of, it, it is a weird thing though, like to explain it to people, you know, has how they say to practice your elevator pitch. It's like, if you only had this certain amount of time to explain mm-hmm. what you're doing, like get it all prepared. Mm-hmm. It's like this, what I'm working on doesn't it doesn't come across in a little short thing. It's like, I have to sit down and explain every step of what I've been doing. And stuff. So, what I've started doing is showing people, um, not everybody, mm-hmm. but people like her parents and yeah. her friends that I met is I have this uh, three ring, like it's like a five inch spine yeah. binder, full of every single newspaper clipping that was ever printed about Kristen. And I clipped them all out and I put them all in chronological order, numbered them, and then I put tabs on them by year. So it's like you flip to this. I have everything in these folders. And it's like, this right here speaks for itself. Like this is important to me and this won't go anywhere. Like this isn't something I'm going to sell and make money off of. It's not something that's going to get printed. This is for me because I care and I'm interested. So this is like tangible proof of how personal this is to me. Well, like, I really, really care about this.
1: And that's one thing is even speaking with you at dinner, I was like, fuck, dude, like I really want, like this is, people don't know. Like people are excited. They watch the trailer, they get chills, but there's so much more to it and there's so much more to you. Mm. And uh, I'm really happy to like give you the opportunity to talk about it and to get into this, like, you know, you and Allie joke about when you guys are coming on the podcast, but I very much so wanted it to be at a correct time when you could come on, promote the podcast because it's so, I'm so interested in it Mm -hmm. and it's I want to fucking share things that yeah. I like and I'm interested. It's hard
2: in it. too because like even at this time, it's like it's not in. Yeah, like I said, you're gonna put this online and people are gonna be like, "Where do I find the podcast?" Right. It's like I'm still working on it every day. Yeah, and I mean every day, like every single day on our calendar. Like I'll show you, we use Google Calendar and we sync them together so I can see yeah. what she's doing. She can see what I'm doing, and our whole like weeks are just blacked out. It's that's like, this fantastic. is episode one week. And then next Whoa, week is episode that's fucking two. gnarly. Week. And so there's other things I'm doing in there, like certain people I'm interviewing mm-hmm. and people that I'm calling and the only time they can talk to me is this time. So it's like uh, earlier this week, I talked to, um, actually I shouldn't even say who it is, but I talked to somebody very important in this um, who was only available to talk at 8 a.m. So I I woke up, I called her at 8 a.m. We had like an hour long conversation, all recorded for the podcast. And then once we were done, it's like, okay, now I need to get everything in order. So today can be about scripting episode two and mm-hmm. that's all I'm doing all day today. But then tomorrow I'm going up to this place to interview this person, you know? So it's it's a lot of different moving parts that I have no idea when it's going to come out. I'm doing my best to get it out before summer is out, yeah. which would be September, September 21st, I think, oh, okay. is the last day of summer, the first day of fall. So to get out episode one at least before then, but I don't want to promise that because I want it to be great just like I said with my albums, I don't put out an album unless I'm sure that it's like solidified enough that I'm like, this is what I wanted the album to be. I'm not putting it out because a label is making me. I'm not putting it out because I just want to have something out. I want it to be something that people care about and want to listen to. and
1: That's why it's going to, I think it's going to be so fucking good because you can, it's not, it's not difficult to, find, fuck, what am I trying to say? I can't put it into words. It's going to be very obvious that you care in a great way Mm -hmm. because of how specific and how detail oriented and how fleshed out this is. Yeah. I, I can't repeat like that sentiment enough. Yeah. Because even like talking right now with you, it's yeah, it's you haven't bold, heard it. Bolding.
2: So, like, yeah. even as we're talking now, it's like you still don't quite know. You know me, and you know what I've told you, but mm-hmm. until you actually hear it, it's like, oh, this is maybe a completely different thing that I was thinking. What I tell everybody is that it starts out with the sound of me walking the route that she disappeared on. So you like oh, hear footsteps, God. you hear like cars driving past me, mm-hmm. and then me narrating what's going on. My music scored underneath it. Like, there's all these moments where it's like you're on this journey with me. You're like figuring out things as I'm figuring them out. And then I'm telling you the story as I've learned it, but I'm telling it from like firsthand interviews. Like you hear the voice of, um, I'm trying to think of a good person that would make sense. Like people that, like I said, the guy went to high school with, Mm -hmm. they're telling their story about one time I was at a party and this is what we saw him doing. And like, this is what happened. And then he like assaulted this girl. And then I call that girl and I'm like, can you tell me the story about this time? And then- they tell that story and so, I don't know, it's a very hard to describe mishmash of documentary and like, I don't even know what else. It's it's bizarre. It's fucking gonzo journalism. It is. Yeah. In a way it is. It's very like, I've been very inspired by like the Truman Capote in cold blood era where like, I'm going to go to this town and like get to know these people. And then I'm the one telling the story, but this is their story. And Mm -hmm. so I have to figure out what were you feeling at this time? Mm -hmm. Like, what was this person wearing on that day? And then he goes home and writes it like a novel. Like this is all made up, but it's not, it's true information that I got from the people involved. Right. And so that's what I'm doing. It's like, I am the storyteller in this, this See, scenario but it, and it's so beautiful because you're not some outside influence or out, outsider
1: to the thing mm-hmm. because I feel like anyone who's a part of this community that did right. grow up with that story yeah. is a part of it, and yeah. it is a part of them. And like I said, the impact it made on me, and how that's my benchmark for that kind of crime. Yeah. And why weren't in, you
2: as impacted by the disappearance of Natalie Holloway as you were this? Because it happened in your own backyard. Damn yeah, it! It's like it it's right where, here. Like I happened, could drive to
1: the place like where she. Every was time
2: we drove yeah. to
1: fucking AG, we I we drive. I used to live in AG. Yeah. I used to see that all the time. I used to fucking all the fucking. time I don't know if
2: you remember. In 2016, they announced yeah. that they were digging up mm-hmm. at Cal Poly because they thought that they had a good lead I was, that she was buried under the pea. I was going to ask you about and that. And like yeah. I just got chills when I read that. Like me and too. at this I time so, I wasn't even invested It That seriously. got me so
1: fucking it was excited. Like, I was the like finally finally
2: finally. The possibility that this body we've been looking for has been right there yeah, and we've so driven by it every single day looking at this pea and her body was there the whole time. But then they dug and she was not under there. And so the question is did they really even think she was under there? Was this like kind of a publicity stunt? Was the sheriff trying to get reelected? And there's lots of people I've interviewed who have different theories about what that was about and why it happened. But I just know when I heard them announce there's a possibility she's buried there, it was like, oh my God, I really, I really want to know what right happened where to this girl. I was girl. sitting, dude. Yeah. I fucking, I
1: never get that. I was like, oh, I, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Fucking into it. Mm-hmm. So into it because that it was like closure on something that I didn't know I needed closure on. Yeah. Mm
2: hmm. Because it's something that was planted when you were young and it's something that never got resolved. And it's like, it still I haunts need me. to know. The, the,
1: yeah. the ghost of
2: Kristen Smart haunts the Central Coast. Yeah. Yeah. We need answers. And so, and her parents were saying to me, it's like, we we want answers before we die. We just want to know what happened. Like, we're not going to ever resolve this perfectly. We're never going to get our daughter back. And whether this guy is convicted and goes to prison, whatever happens with that, we just want to know. We just wanna know what happened.
1: My biggest fear is that um, the sum total of his life gets to him and he ends it before we have justice Yeah, yeah. in that way, mm-hmm. whether it be the
2: closure of finding her. And or, maybe not even intended, intended to, like he drunk drives all the time. Know, so maybe he maybe accidentally he just, kills himself.
1: Exactly. And,
2: or maybe he fucking, dr- and
1: you know what? Maybe that's why he does
2: drink oh, and drive so much Absolutely, too. And I I have a very interesting tie-in where I just on a chronological mm-hmm. timeline, you can see anytime there's a major development in this case, he Dude. gets drunk driving charges. And wow. so it's like he's drunk driving because he's stressed out yeah. and because he is trying to wash this away. Mm-hmm. I, I will say like, I, I was going to say, I shouldn't tell you people I've talked to, but I will just say, I did talk to a girl that he dated for, many years like that after. Yeah. And who got very close to him. Like they were in a long-term relationship with each other. And she has this story. She told me about a time that she was talking to him on the phone after they had broken up and he's just like bawling. And he's like, I have something I need to tell you, but I can't, I can't tell anybody. And she's like, what is it? And then his mom was like, get off the phone. And he hung up. And so she has no idea to this day, like whether he was about to confess or not. So he's got, he's got demons, you know, this is haunting him for sure. And that's why he's an alcoholic and it's why he's drunk driving. And it's why.
1: Is there any part of you with all due respect to Kristen Smart's family, of course. And um, is there any part of you that kind of sympathizes with someone who probably led a life and was probably raised poorly and ended up being a fucking creep and ended up, you know, ending someone's life and lives this entirely fucked up existence because of it and probably had a shitty existence before then.
2: Absolutely. And I'll like, I even go so far as to say that her parents feel that way. Like her parents are like, this poor kid. Yeah. What did you do with our daughter's body? Like, we're not blaming you and we're not, we don't hate you. And that's one thing that they really want to get across. Like, uh-huh. we don't hate you. And we don't want you to like spend your life in prison for this. We don't want to see you tortured because of this. We want you to just tell us what you did. Just, and and so early on he was working at, you know, the 76 in Pismo. When you drive by that big ball, you always see yeah. the same 76 yeah. station. He worked there right after she disappeared. Uh And at one point early on, they found out where he was working. So they drove down from Stockton. They went to the gas station to get gas. And while he was pumping them, they were like, we want to ask you some questions about what happened with our daughter. And he went and he locked himself in a closet and refused to come out. And they're like, look, we think it was an accident. Like, we don't think you meant to do this. Just tell us where you put her. And he just wouldn't come out. And so that's still their sentiment to this day. It's I like, bet what, that whatever happened
1: it fucking haunts him forever. Yeah. The, the 76 gas station, importantly.
2: Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I
1: couldn't imagine being around someone who like physically, um, who killed someone I loved.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whether you could control yourself through that, which is what drew me to this early on. It's like, why are her parents so, I don't want to say chill because they're not chill. They're like, tortured by this but they're so respectful and like graceful and they're enlightened about it yeah they haven't written books about it they haven't like tried to start a tv show to raise publicity or something yeah they just want to know where their daughter's body is and it's like yeah but you guys are dealing with this in a very mature and wise way you know that especially meeting her dad, like I wasn't sure, her dad doesn't do interviews anymore. And it's like, I don't want to talk to anybody about okay. this. And so sitting down with him, it's like, oh my God, this is like the sweetest man in the world. And him, the look on his face when he talks about this, it's like, you can tell he's just trying to get by, just trying to like, you know, Wow. I don't know what happened to my daughter. And like, I don't know what to do about it anymore. I mean, could you imagine
1: being a father? And then, you know, one of the, one of the kids is gone. And yeah. you you would endlessly, like how we were speaking earlier about wanting to rescue someone, yeah. that fascination how yeah. we're hardwired to do that. I bet he thinks time and time again how he wish he could have just re- rescued her from that moment. Yeah. And what I was saying is about me being haunted and like being stuck in that moment mm-hmm. is reading it and putting myself there. I'm right there. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. why couldn't I have stopped this how could I have have? Why didn't they? And I know that. And people who are actually li- live that fucking moment, like Cheryl and Tim. Um, pro- that's probably the torture they go through. Of like, yeah. I, I why couldn't I have done something? Why couldn't I have gone differently? And I I mean I wish everyone could collectively accept that they can't change that past, mm-hmm. and that the best way to make their past demons more peaceful is to resolve today yeah want to take a break sure i do i need to use a bathroom all right (laughs) i'll be right back guys all right so back to it um i have a couple more questions here for this fucking insane thing you're doing um, is there at any, you know I'm not even going to go there. It was just going to be like a hypothetical question. I was going to say, do you think anyone else could have done it, or anything else oh. could have happened? But yeah, it's uh,
2: yeah. The the deeper you get into it, the more it's like, okay, we know we know who did it. Yeah, it's just a matter of how. Yeah. How do you think it happened? I I lean more and more towards accident that. Like I said, that he's raping her mm-hmm. and she chokes on her vomit mm-hmm. or something, or he's raping her and she fights, inadvertently back. strangles her or something, okay. or or yeah, maybe she fights back and he
1: maybe, maybe you know
2: yeah, I absolutely like and this is something the parents are in agreement with too. Nobody thinks it was like a premeditated murder. Like we don't think he wanted to murder her and that was his intention. He wanted to have sex with her. She if died was as premeditated,
1: a premeditated. It probably would have wouldn't have been so obvious that he did it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he just met her that night at the party. It's like, I don't think he was like keeping an eye on her. Like, I'm going to murder this girl later. He's just like, I want to have sex with this person. And then, so yeah, how she died, I don't know. But more and more, it's like, eh, it doesn't look like he's like a murdering type. Mm -hmm. It seems more like he's a perverted, like he's a deviant, a sexual deviant of some kind. And I think that she died as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you call that murder or not like I'm um, if it's your daughter you would
1: you know if somebody's
2: yeah. raping your daughter and she dies accidentally it's like you're a murderer but i don't know technically
1: i feel like i'm seeing flashes of the future when this is resolved and i feel like he is indicted on manslaughter yeah at some
2: point he's tried and this is one thing that like makes it you're asking is it possible somebody else did this at one point his lawyer tried to negotiate if you'll give us a sentence of 6 years or less we'll lead you to her body. Wow. But he did that off the record so mm-hmm. you can't use it against him yeah. and once the parents agreed like okay we'll like we'll talk about it he rescinded the offer. Wow. So yeah, he knows where her body is. Well,
1: fucking of course
2: yeah. to some degree.
1: Okay. Um pfft. i'm 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 reading here um, do you so you you think that there was a it was of a sexual nature
2: definitely okay yeah.
1: I mean, as a fucking sexual deviant myself, if I was at a party (laughs) and someone was drunk and then I, you know, and I'm not predatory. No, but
2: but if I interviewed a bunch of people who knew you in high school, mm -hmm. how many girls would be like, oh my God, that guy terrified me to be around. He like, not just that you're interested in having sex with women, but they do not want to have sex with you. And so you just like prey on them. Oh
1: yeah. I don't know what that's like. (laughs) Um, uh, fucking, you know, I'm sorry not to make light of the situation. Cause I, I take this whole thing very seriously as I'm sure any of my listeners could tell, not so lighthearted talking about it, but, uh, it's good to break some tension once in a while. Um, have, has there anyone that other than, you know, like, how'd you get this number? Anyone that you've interviewed or spoken to or attempted to that have been upset with you?
2: No, nobody. I mean, I thought for sure people were just going to hang up on me and say I'm calling the cops or something. Nobody has done that yet. The closest I've gotten is just people saying, "I please don't call me again or I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about this. Please don't call me again. Um, but no, nobody's gotten really upset yet. I did hear secondhand, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but I did hear secondhand that Paul Flores' mother told somebody else that she knows about my podcast and that I'm harassing her or something, and I've never even reached out to her. so. Hmm. I'm definitely not harassing her, but I don't know if she really said that or not, but that's what somebody said. Wow, that's really interesting. Do you think uh, she has the... Hey, Rob? he's back. Um,
1: do you think he, she has her fucking finger on the pulse about
2: this at all? Yes. Because there's been speculation for a long time. There's a Facebook group called Find Kristen Smart and they've got like 10,000 members who are super interested in what happened to Kristen. But every once in a while there's information that goes up there and suddenly the Flores family is aware of it. So they either themselves or they have somebody else who's a member of that group who's following it as like a mole it's not hard to yeah not right hard to and, and because there's 10,000 people there it's like anybody who says they want to be a member they just get accepted so they don't have to prove they're not one of the Flores family members so sometimes you have to be careful about what you do and don't say on there because it's like they're they're watching this yeah, that's <sighs> fucking
1: crazy yeah man I'm taking notes here just yeah. because I've, I've never had so much <sighs> did you shake? yeah oh he is straight up shakes Shake, shake. Rem, you shake shake good yeah boy. good boy he does both good hands boy. he's like um I don't see a fucking tree but all right <laughs> I don't like that he's staring out my door like that Like yeah. there's a ghost or something mm-hmm. there it's fucking creeping me out Remy is everything okay is there something out there you see something God <laughs> it doesn't help that we're talking about something so heavy right and, he's like
2: who's that girl out there
1: and how what we spoke <laughs> uh, spoke of off air and yeah. giving me chills and everything um you're not
2: helping rem all right also just in like a, like a, in a haunting sort of way, I have dreamt about this so many times, like just aspects of what happened to Kristen and aspects of the investigation oh, and stuff. Oh
1: yeah. Me too. Just because of the, the thing I've read, I had a it, yeah. fucking dream about it. I just remembered. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's why that's. Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, even last night, just all night. All of my dreams tied into it somehow. And then uh, because I talk about it so much at home, Allie started saying, like, I dreamt about it last night. Yeah. I like, bet. I, because I talk about it so you much. I know, but- you know
1: it's, you know, it's a big deal when you guys are sleeping and your dream bubbles connect. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty awful. And I mean, sometimes, like, when I came back from Stockton, I actually had a really good dream that I was like, friends with Kristen. Like as a young person, we were hanging out and like riding bikes together and stuff. And I woke up and I'm like, Oh my God, i really miss Kristen who I never met. That right? would
1: tear me apart.
2: Yeah. If it, I you, had that dream. You, you've probably had those dreams. Like I'm sure everybody's had these dreams where in the dream you like fall in love with somebody or have a crush on somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up and you're like, Oh, I actually kind of have feelings for that person now because that dream was so deep and Solidified realistic. You know? Or that, if you've ever had yeah. a dream that you got like a pet and you're really endeared to the pet and then you wake up and it's not real. It's just soul crushing. It was one of those dreams where it's like, oh my God, I really like was close with Kristen Smart. We were good friends and then woke up and none of that really happened. And I thought, wow, but it feels real, you know, I don't know. That's getting into a weird realm. but No, I don't think
1: you should dismiss it like that because I I, uh, I have a lot of fucked up dreams
2: too. Yeah. And, and it's things, nothing else. It's a sign of just how much I'm immersing myself in this story. It's just all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. That's what
1: another thing is like really impressive about the situation is how immersive you are mm-hmm. and how like you showed me on your schedule and yeah. how everything's leading to this and how you're dreaming about it and how involved you are about it. The idea that um like that guy accusing you of using it as some sort of like clout to become right. someone with it or sell it or anything is... You know, ridiculous, but it also, like, there's no way I couldn't associate this with you from now on, having not even listened, listened mm-hmm. to the show yet. Yeah, and w- w- um, not not to put any pressure on you, but when? What's the what? When's when, when out? When is it out? When's it coming I don't know. out? I I had announced
2: back in February that it mm-hmm. was going to come out the summer it sounds and, like that would, would have been plenty of time but yeah, it turns out there's a lot more exactly. shit going on if guys. that doesn't show how much is getting done behind the scenes and i said something like that on instagram like the less i post on here the less updates you're getting it's because i'm doing more work behind yeah. the scenes i'm never not working on this and so it's i'm working on it every day but then I talk to a person on the phone, I interview them, and they're like, hey, you should call this person because they were at the party that night. Or you should call this person because they said they knew where the body was. So then it's like I put that person on my calendar, look up their information, try to get a hold of them in the ethical way, which is by connecting with them personally or through their Mm -hmm. friends. But eventually it gets to a point where it's like the clock is ticking. I just got to cold call this person, which I did out of the blue Two or three times last week, just called people mm-hmm. out of the blue because it's like I'm sorry, I tried everything I could to get a hold of you, never got a response, so now I'm just calling you at dinner time. Like yeah. I'm really sorry, but can you tell me the story? And luckily, one of them said she'd be willing to talk, but on a different day. And we scheduled, and we talked mm-hmm. at a later day, and it worked out well. But several people don't answer their phones, Then I leave them a message, and they don't call me back. Yeah. In- anyway, it just it keeps getting pushed back on the calendar because there's more and more and more stuff to talk about. There's more like content. And so it's, it's going to come out later than I thought it would not too much later, but it's going to come out later this year than summer probably, or at the very tail of summer, but it's because they're going to get longer. Like each episode is going to be probably over an hour long now. I think I can speak candidly for
1: the rest of the people that are excited about this. I think like the juice is worth the squeeze and it's going to be worth the wait. And I'm like, I almost don't want it to come out on time because I know that that means not everything is documented that I can get to.
2: Yeah, because it's still going on. Yeah, And and I keep thinking if I had just put this out five episodes, because it's always been five or six episodes and it shifted back and forth, but I've got it to a nice solid five right Mm -hmm. now if i had dropped those 5 episodes in june so that it was out you know right in yeah. the heart of summer it would not have been nearly as good as it's going to be when it does come out i just know there's so much more that's happened in that time that's like oh my god this completely changes the trajectory of episode 3 and now that changes what episode 4 is going to be all about and it's getting better as it goes on so like it is a lot of pressure because i don't want to hype it up too much yeah. where people are like eh, it wasn't as great as i thought it would be when you when you talk to these people were at the party
1: and things and they're giving you details and like you asked like, oh, what music's playing? What, you know, what was so-and-so wearing or what, um, how, I
2: I really love details. Like how in depth do they get? I keep prodding. So it's like, tell me more. Like I Mm want to get more in detail. Like um, one of the guys at the party broke down, like there was definitely like Fish, one of the band Fish Uh and Dave Matthews band (laughs) and um, yeah, he was like listing bands that were definitely playing. It's like, hold on, I'm taking notes. Like, I want to know all of this stuff. And so it's like, can you describe the layout of the house for me? Like, you walk in, and he's like, so you walk in, you turn right, and there's a kitchen. You turn left, there's a pool table, there's a bathroom off to the side. And so every detail I want to know. Like, yeah. I'm super interested for myself, but also now I have to tell this story and I want to tell it in great detail because mm-hmm. that's what I would prefer somebody did. I, I know that when I'm listening to a podcast and they don't go into enough detail, I'm frustrated. It's like, no, infuriated. I have to Google this. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I do
1: like that. I it gives me the opportunity to do some research myself. Yeah. Because it means I'm yeah. interested. But if it doesn't give me the details I want afterwards, then I'm still very upset because I didn't get what I wanted, and I'm still at a dead end here. Yeah. Because um, I've been to parties at Cal Poly and not even thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm thinking about being. Oh fuck! How close was I? Mm-hmm. Where was that? You know, I could have swore I've been on fucking fraternity row at a party before and that's a trip Mm -hmm. that really kind of do you know people that uh, go to Cal Poly or have gone to Cal Poly and do they talk about it is it brought up yeah I asked them a
2: lot of annoying questions because I'm like I know you didn't you don't know anything about this but Mm -hmm. like I was talking to one person like so to get in the library like if I want to get in the library how do I get in there and like, what, In there, like, you have to have a student ID card. So it's like, can I use your student ID card to get in there to see if they have yearbooks? Like yeah. I wanted to go through yearbooks. They didn't save yearbooks from that year. They didn't, they weren't keeping oh, them at that point. On. And so there's little details like that where I keep asking people like, okay, so when you go to the, like the administration's building and there's that parking lot there, is there any chance that you wouldn't be able to see somebody walking up to the pier? Like things yeah. like that, you know, like where the, dorm buildings back up Mm -hmm. to the Polly Hill right there. It's like, is there any chance that somebody on a Saturday morning could have gotten a body up that hill and nobody would have noticed? Things like that, right? Dude, I'm not even fucking exaggerating
1: when I wish we could stop and drive right up to Cal Poly right now. And
2: that's why it's like when I started reading about this last summer and getting really into it, I'm like, I want to drive up there right now. I wanted (laughs) to find the mom's house. And it's like, where does the mom live where the body might have been buried? And once I found it, now it's just like on my route. Whenever I drive up north, it's like Go. I'm going to take that route so I can just drive by it. Beautiful. I never disturb them. I never like, I'm not being harassed. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I am definitely driving by it as much as possible and driving by the, uh, so Kristen Smart has a memorial on Shell Beach uh, on next to dinosaur caves park. Oh really? And there's like a little thing etched in one of the pillars with her senior photo and a poem she wrote. Oh wow. And it's I'm near
1: there all the time. Yeah. I it's never... called
2: the point of hope lookout. That's and, right. Okay. And it's that's dedicated the, to
1: her. The trailer.
2: Is that what yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I zoom out over mm-hmm. that with the drone. And so that's so fucking cool. He did that. I oh, was I watching again <laughs> and I was like, I think he told me he did it with a drone. But also, yeah. how the fuck did he get that footage? <laughs> yeah. Nick Winnery is actually the guy who filmed it for me. He's like a super cool guy. He did my podcast. And then mm-hmm. I was looking for somebody with a drone and texted him and said, Do you have a drone? And he said, No, but my dad does. And I said, What would I have to do to get your dad to film this for me? And it ended up being Nick filming it for me anyway. Nice. So we spent the whole day just driving around filming different, we got Cal Poly, we got the Point of Hope, and then we got some spots out in Wozna. Um, How much of that video are you releasing?
1: That's in it. In any shape or form. Just that's, that. Yeah. Okay. Just the trailer.
2: And then people have asked too because they see that. They think it's going to be a full video documentary. It's like, no, that's just how I wanted to announce it's, it because it. Dude, it's even
1: more haunting in mm-hmm. the goosebump aspect of it because I know it's not going to be visual. Right. Because I'm getting this little visual <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh shit. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's where I live. And it's just like, yeah. D- I'm, I'm hyperventilating over here. My thoughts are fucking a
2: scramble right oh my it is more haunting when you grew up here it's like this is my home and that's kind of how i'm thinking i, I still haven't concluded the final episode but that's kind of what i want to do is sort of zoom back out and be like hey so we've zoomed in all the way mm-hmm. we've talked about this but now to zoom back out I'm going to go back to my life. I'm going to write some more songs. I'm going to do what I do, but I still live in this spot and I'm always going to drive by those like eucalyptus groves and wonder if her body's in there. Like, I'm going to drive mm-hmm. by this spot on the freeway and wonder if they took that exit. I'm going to wonder about all these things because this is still my home and I'm not planning to leave anytime soon. So, God, damn. It's just like the Central Coast is still the place where this happened. It's the setting and I'm still here. So, I'm not going to stop looking. That's my my intention. Is even once I put out, this is just a presentation. It's mm-hmm. a basically a way to get the public to talk about it at large again and mm-hmm. get people fired up about it and demanding some action be taken. But my like personal investment in this is not going to end when the podcast does. It's that's good. Like, yeah, it's like I don't
1: think I could uh, feel less than like I, I could only feel greater about this. Like it's only gonna envelop more, yeah. and more as it goes on mm-hmm. because of just that read I did,
2: yeah. and, and the then, hope that like that I am able to present it in such an emotional way or such a an impactful way that people listening get what I'm get to where I am, where I they're could, like, oh my god, I can't not do anything but read about this, and, you,
1: and you're gonna have so many uh, such an audience to have that sort of. Um, connection that uh investment themselves like it's very evocative and i can't picture it being any other way
2: yeah yeah hopefully enough people get involved where it's like the sheriff is gonna have to do something or make an announcement like everybody needs to calm down everybody's so fired up about this now it's like well that's what it should have been Mm -hmm. all along yeah
1: yeah without a doubt fucking the attitude that I think people are gonna have about it we're gonna everyone's gonna be like okay i i wish that there was so much less hubris and ego with um law enforcement agencies and sort of corruption could be for like you know acknowledged forgiven resolved and people can grow and we can have a fucking real discussion about getting justice for this person
2: and I mean, they're not even willing to let like the FBI come in and do their own investigation. They're not willing to let, um, what is it? The missing, uh, the something for missing children. Center for um, missing yeah, yeah, like they tried to get involved. The sheriff's department keeps saying no to all those. And it's like, okay, after 23 years, like at what point are you going to say, okay, we weren't able to solve it. So somebody else come in and help, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: what kind of fucking administration shift do we have to go through
2: to, for them to approve that case. Yeah, of shit. we've had three separate sheriffs since this happened. Yeah, three. And each one was in charge of this case and has not closed it. And so it's you don't really know what they're doing behind the scenes and I give them the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe they know way more than I'm giving them credit for and they're just waiting for the right time to do something about it. But then how many years have to pass before you can be like, okay, now it's been too long. And 23 is a long, part of what I like. I established in the podcast is when this happened, I could barely tie my shoes. Like I had those Power Rangers Velcro shoes because I couldn't figure out how to tie them. I wasn't great at it. And now I'm a 31 year old man with a beard and I like, I live with my girlfriend. Like mm-hmm. I'm a full grown adult and I was a child when this happened. And if that's not a good indication of how much time has been allowed to pass without solving this, it's upsetting. And like there, there are people who weren't born when this happened who have now graduated from Cal Poly.
1: They <laughs> Holy went, shit! they
2: lived 22 years of their lives and graduated after four years at Cal Poly in the time that it's taken to close this and it's still open. That's
1: so that's fucking crazy. Yeah.
2: Anyway, hopefully this at the very least gets more people interested and pushing back a little bit so the sheriff is forced to do something about it, but who knows. What is your ideal situation in the
1: result of your podcast?
2: I hope that, like ultimately I hope Paul Flores hears it and it stresses him out so much that he just turns himself in. Mm -hmm. Like I would hope that it would... I think it is gonna upset the Flores family and I think they might try to sue me over it. That's a good Uh possibility. I think I'm in good company though because a lot of people over the years, they've tried to sue because of harassing them or whatever. And it's like, I'm not bothering you. All I'm doing is telling the story and investigating this in my own way. And I've come to the same conclusion that a lot of people have, that your son was involved with disposing of her body and that you guys helped and know where it's at. And So I can't prove that and, and all that. So I have to be careful about what I say on the podcast to make sure that I don't get myself in in trouble over that. Ultimately though, I, I would hope that there's some small human part of them that hears it and is like, okay, we're sick of dealing with this. Like now more people than ever are talking about it. More people are driving by our house. And so we need to just end this. We need to just tell them where the body is or something. Right. Um, Secondary to that would be that the sheriff is so annoyed by how many people are bothering them Mm -hmm. after this comes out that they're like okay look we're just going to arrest the guy like we're going to take care of this and we're going to we've been sitting on it for a long time now we're going to do something about it because we don't want to take the heat for not doing it right i don't know
1: fucking cry could you imagine being like the arresting officer or someone who has flores in Custody because of like a DOI or something. And they maybe they look and find out, like, oh, he, like you think there's any information about his involvement? Yeah. That I was documented. And so. they're going, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah.
2: This guy. And the Smart family for a long time, they would sort of follow what he was doing, like with private investigators and stuff. Yep. So he got hired at like Blockbuster. So they just sent Blockbuster a packet of newspaper clippings saying like, this guy's the suspect in a disappearance of our daughter. And then Blockbuster fired him. So he gets a job at in and out Burger. They did the same thing. Oh, gets man. a job at Outback Steakhouse. They did the same thing. And it's like, they just, and they're not, so they call that harassment, right? They're like, they won't leave us alone. And it's like, well, you have answers that you won't give them. And they're leave not. Leave us
1: alone. You left us alone without a daughter. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. How
2: about that? And and for us, and all they're doing is sending newspaper clippings. Like they're basically just drawing his employer's attention yeah. to just so you know, you're employing somebody who is involved in a murder. Probably a murder. Maybe maybe something else, but.
1: A death of. The, yeah, somebody someone.
2: died and he was there and yeah. he covered it up. And so you're employing that person. So every employer is like, okay, we're cutting ties with this guy. And I don't think that's harassment. And in, in fact, I think that's a very professional way to go about getting answers to something is like, hey, we just won't let you live a, a healthy, comfortable mm-hmm. life unless you tell us what happened. But I think they've sort of given up on that. Like they're not pursuing that as much anymore. And even now, I don't think their ultimate goal is to get him convicted. I just think they want him to tell them
1: what happened, where, where the
2: is. body is. Yeah, yeah, just lead us to the body. Let us take her home, bury her properly, and then we'll stop bothering you. So hopefully that happens.
1: You, yeah. look, you look like you were gonna oh, no. tell me something. Um, fuck, I <laughs> I really want to be like more engaging with this podcast, but like you saying everything and it's really speaking like a fuck ton to me because mm-hmm. oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to process everything, man. Yeah. When I asked you, oh, do you know who did it, and you or do you think you know who did it? I had <laughs> no fucking clue. Yeah. what was going on? I had no clue so many people knew, yeah. so many people. like, And you were just like, oh, no, like, yeah, fucking, no, <laughs> right. no shit, Dallas,
2: come on. <laughs> and
1: I was like, oh, oh, oh my God.
2: Yeah. So, and I think I was the same way two or three years ago where I started looking into this and being like, wait, is there a suspect in this? Like all my life I knew she was missing. I had no idea that people had sort of honed in on this guy. Yeah, and so then, me fucking yeah. And think about how many people- don't know. Yes, that's exactly what, was this guy calling me and giving me all this crap for you trying to do this, it's like- He had no idea. I'm trying to tell a story that to me mm-hmm. wasn't properly told up until now. Not at all. Like I was able to live in this community without knowing this information. You on the phone are telling me he's- you know, this happened 40 years ago and he's got a wife and kids now. There's not enough people who know the facts of what happened and I'm just going to lay them out so that it can't be disputed anymore. I'm going to lay out everything that's there so somebody can listen and go, oh my God, I had no idea this happened. I had no idea this person was involved or that this location was a possibility. And then once that's done, then I'm out. You know, I'll keep looking for her, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh God,
1: it it, it infuriates me because I'm realizing like, the longer it goes on, like, oh, so many people know about like Chris, No, know, oh, Chris Martin, smart. Someone yeah. disappeared. But like me, like I thought she disappeared. It was someone who was there and she walked to her dorm room and then was never seen from again. And I was yeah. like, oh, I wonder if like someone killed her on the lawn or like, the right. thought, <laughs> you know, yeah. I had this yep. idea of someone like intercepting her between her and her dorm room yep. and them taking her, but not her being escorted to his room. Yeah, his room, and you know, and s- fucking what that yeah. blew my mind. So I think a lot of people um, are unaware,
2: and we're just gonna. So I'm, I'm sure you know about the Rex Krebs murders. Do you know about that? Um, no. What, okay, I'll what? just I'll refresh your memory if yeah, you don't. Um, okay. I thought you would know because he looks exactly like Charles Bronson. (laughs) Um, So there's this guy who was living in San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. He was uh, charged with rape. And so he went to prison for raping women. Then he was released. And in one of those, whatever you call them, like uh, where former inmates sort of get preferential treatment for jobs and certain things like, um, yeah, uh, incentive program. So mm-hmm. he was hired by a construction company or something fresh out of prison. Like uh-huh. we'll give him a job. We'll give him a place to live. And so he was living in this house up in Sea Canyon, which is towards, or sorry, Davis Canyon, which oh. is by like, uh, if you go up to Sycamore Mineral, Mineral Springs and yeah. Avila, and then you go way up in the mountains up there and it's just forest. Ooh,
0: okay. He
2: was living in a like shack up there. Right. And so, Um, This is 1998, and at the end of 1998, this girl named Rachel Newhouse goes missing from Cal Poly. And so everybody's immediately like, oh my God, it's a second Kristen Smart. Whoever did it probably did it to this girl too. And So they found her blood on the Jennifer Street Bridge, which is that rusty bridge that goes over the Amtrak station in Slow. They found like a pool of her blood, and they tested it, and it was her blood. And they couldn't find her, and they had no idea where she was. Then months passed, and another girl went missing, this girl, Andrea Crawford. She was taken from her house and uh, there was a sign of a struggle. like Somebody had broken in and taken her um, and they couldn't find her. And then a couple months passed and through the investigation, they basically ended up finding out that this guy had done it. And so they got him to confess. They like, sweet talked him until he confessed to this detective and like I said this is all in San Luis Obispo so everybody thinks the Kristen Smart thing is tied into this wow. so then he confessed and he he told them where to find the bodies and they dug up the bodies and found Rachel Crawford and Andre Newhouse but Kristen wasn't one of them and he said I had nothing to do with that and they checked and he was in prison at the time Kristen went missing so he definitely wasn't involved with Kristen Smart but yeah. once these girls started going missing from Cal Poly people, people were like assumed. oh my god what? this is all tied together There's a serial killer in slow
1: that I didn't know about. What's his name? Rex Rex Allen
2: Krebs. Yeah. K R E B S. And, um, yeah, so he was, he's put away and he's like, and I, he might be on death row. I don't know. Did California, Get rid of the death penalty. Um, it's in limbo. It's okay, like they, so, yeah. they
1: still have it, but no one's killing. He's anyone. in
2: prison for life, yeah. essentially. And um, but he confessed to those and walked them through how he did it and how he broke into the house. And the other girl was walking home drunk from a restaurant, and so uh-huh. they're like, "Oh my god!" Just like Kristen was walking home drunk, and then somebody got her. But then you know, more and more, once you look into this, it's like okay, but the guy that walked Kristen home is sketchy, and you know, had a black eye the next day, and. Oh, took to like, the Fifth Amendment when they yeah. deposed yeah. him and stuff, and it's just like everything points to this guy. And then Scott Peterson actually went to Cal Poly at the time too. So Scott and Lacey Peterson went to Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. I think Scott had graduated either the year before this or that year, and Whoa. Lacey was still attending. And so they... They got married at Sycamore Mineral Springs. They were living on the Central Coast. Then they opened a restaurant in SLO called The Shack. It was like a hamburger place. What the fuck? (laughs) Well, okay, (laughs) keep going. Okay, so a lot of people, once, once she went missing and he was the suspect, people were like, oh my God, Scott Peterson must have killed Kristen Smart. And so a lot of people in the last year and a half have asked me, do you think Scott Peterson was involved? And it's like, the more you look into it, there are several reasons why it couldn't have been Scott Peterson. For one, there's no proof that he ever met Kristen or had any association with anybody who knew anybody. So mm-hmm. no, probably not. Two, everybody's like, oh, there were rumors that Kristen used to go hang out at their restaurant. And a lot of people kept telling me this. So I looked into that. They didn't open their restaurant until 1998, two years after Kristen went missing. Because Lacey so, would have still
1: been in college. Yeah. And Scott's so just getting out of it. He's not opening a fucking less business. likely.
2: But then more than that, they're sort of implying that it's like Scott Peterson's like a serial killer. He's going around killing all these women. Scott Peterson is what's called a family annihilist. So family annihilation is a, is a, classification of murder that's very popular. Like you you see it on the news all the time where Mm -hmm. a man is in like married and they're about to have a kid or they already have kids and he starts seeing somebody or wishing Mm -hmm. he could see somebody cheating on the wife. And then as a result, kills the wife and kids to get out of the marriage so he can be a single guy again and go, and they always get caught and they always go to prison over it. Scott Peterson, Chris Watts is the one that Mm -hmm. happened last year where it's a, it's a pattern. It's like a very specific type of killing. So they're not likely the types of people who are just going around killing people for the hell of it. They're killing people to get out of a commitment. And so they, they can live a a single life again. Right. And Scott Peterson is definitely one of those people. And I don't think that he ever killed anybody else or had motive to kill anybody else, especially Kristen.
1: Do you think he killed his wife? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, where did she dis- disappear from? Or not disappear from. Uh, I'm sorry. Where was his wife, Lacey yeah, Peterson? Mm-hmm. Where was she uh,
2: killed? Where was she found? Modesto. Modesto, uh, so, okay. Well, she was found in the Berkeley Marina. Okay. And so what happened was, uh, I mean, I'm this is to my best recollection. Mm-hmm. They moved up to Modesto. They had a house there. He said he left that morning said goodbye to her she was watching Martha Stewart mm-hmm. he got in his car went and got his boat and drove up to the Berkeley Marina and was fishing up there then he came home and she wasn't there the dog was in the backyard and the gate was open and the dog was wearing its leash so it's like oh my god she took the dog for a walk and something happened to her so he called and reported her missing they started looking into it and then months and months later her body and she was pregnant at the mm-hmm. time so the the fetus had washed up separately from her body no. they found both bodies on the shore of the Berkeley Marina. So it's like, okay, what are the chances that the body was dumped by somebody else in the exact spot that he had been fishing the day his wife disappeared? And hadn't there
1: been someone who was abducting and killing women in that area at the time? Probably, I heard heard a very compelling theory, a conspiracy theory, of course, that he didn't do
2: it. Mm -hmm. There was a pretty compelling documentary that came out that I watched that made it sound like the media jumped on him, and that's the uh only reason he was convicted. But it's it's pretty overwhelming that he, yeah. (laughs) But it's pretty overwhelming that he, in my opinion, I think he did it. But there is, it's one of those cases where there's no direct scientific evidence that convicted him. It's all circumstantial. And so it's just like, well, he did this and that was super suspicious. Then he did this, then he did this, and the body washes up in the area he was in. Um, I think they found one of her hairs in a, plier, in a pair of pliers that was on his boat. Oh, wow. So it's like it sort of looks like he was disposing of the body. And then he constructed a bunch of concrete anchors in his warehouse. And when they went and searched his warehouse, all of the anchors were missing except one. So he got rid of four of them. And uh, they think that he tried to weigh her body down with that. And what happened is as her body decomposed, it broke through the chains or ropes or whatever and floated to the top and then washed ashore. Which is another... A lot of people ask about Kristen whether she was disposed of in the ocean or in Lopez Lake Mm because they're close bodies of water. And almost always when you dispose of a body in water, there will be something that washes up eventually. And so I think that's probably less likely than her being buried on land.
1: That's interesting. There was a young girl who was lost at at Pismo recently Mm. and I don't think they ever found her. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious to know how
2: often things are found in situations like that. With tides especially, it's like it's always pushing towards land and so eventually something typically washes up.
1: Well yeah, and honestly Lopez gets dried out so much you don't think a fucking body would eventually be found. Yeah. I yeah, it's. Too I populated. found my old sunglasses from <laughs> 2001. Man, like the, the, they're there. You just go just go fucking the dried Lopez Lake. You just go be like, oh shit, that's my watch. Yeah,
2: yeah. That. Lopez Lake actually hit an all-time record low in 2016. Mm-hmm. It was at like 24 percent capacity or something. So it's like of all times for something to be found or to wash up. Like that's when it would have been discovered. And yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think she ended up in water. What do you think is
1: the um? most reasonable and most intelligent way to dispose of a body?
2: I mean, if I'm doing, cause I've had time to think about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what would I do if I were in this sort of situation? Yeah. And of course I would never, I would never kill somebody and I would never dispose of their body. But because I've had the time to think it out, I mm-hmm. think the smartest way to do it is probably to burn the body um, somewhere that can't be, you know. Don't do it in your yard. Don't do it somewhere nearby. You do it somewhere out of the way. Burn the body, and then maybe dispose of the ashes in water somewhere. Maybe flush them down the toilet or something, so, so that there's no trace of anything. Where would where
1: would it be burned? Where would you burn it?
2: Oh, I don't know. Like
1: say oh, that's a- <laughs> hypothetically, say we are um, serial killers uh-huh. on the central coast, yeah, and we abduct someone, kill them. Where? What do we do with the body?
2: God. This is why, like On I said, an individual basis. Yeah, what, what what I was saying with uh, with Kristen, where you could speculate for years. Like there is a rumor that she was buried under the Pack, the Performing Arts Center at Cal Poly. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rumors like that. Like oh, the they took her into the food services building and they like mixed her in with the hamburger meat and then they served her to everyone in the cafeteria. Like those are like college urban legends. right? Yeah. They, they could say that about anybody. I don't think there's much to go on there. Uh, what I'm interested in is places that they have a connection to, like why dispose of a body there? And so I've always told my girlfriend, it's like, if I ever kill somebody and bury the body, I would take it to sisquawk And the reason for <laughs> that is because I went to sisquawk a lot growing up. I had family who lived in sisquawk and it's very rural. There's not many people that live there. And there's a lot of places that people don't drive out there that you could dump a body and it probably wouldn't be discovered for a long, long time. And I'm familiar with it, which are the two, like that's where people dispose of bodies, somewhere they're familiar with that they don't think somebody will look for it there. And so I that's always been my go-to answer. It's like, if I'm going to get rid of a body, I'm probably going to take it to Sisquak because mm-hmm. I know it. But that's not the smartest way, especially because I've now said it to a lot of people, so they're going to know to look there. But yeah, I think I don't know if you're trying to bury a body and make sure. Well, that's, nobody what, finds that's it,
1: why I'm asking is because I don't think we will ever commit no. murder where we need to dispose of a body. Right. If we do, it would be probably in self defense, and that would be important in uh, you know.
2: Yeah, and then <laughs> if you kill somebody in self defense, you don't
1: bury their body exactly. Or it. Yeah, it's now hospital property. But
2: you definitely, I mean. You definitely want to destroy it in some way. If you're trying not to get caught, you want to make sure that it's that there's no evidence of it. So you don't want to bury it whole. the The thought of dismemberment really disturbs me. Like that's a really that's Why? that would be too far for me. Like if I had already killed somebody, mm-hmm. which is already something that I think is so far off the radar for mm-hmm. me. You're gonna enjoy my next question. That <laughs> dismembering is something that's like. I don't know, even the thought of dismemberment makes me kind of physically ill. Okay. And so I would not be able to do that. Even if I was panicking, like, oh my God, I got to get rid of this body or I'm going to prison. I still don't think I'd have the the faculties to do it myself. Hmm. That's why, like I said, like burning a body, I I you wouldn't could, you could want to do that, fire. but it's something I could, yeah, I could stomach doing it because yeah. I'd already killed somebody and I'm just- and,
1: and everyone's been to barbecues. Maybe it smells good at some point. You can get over that.
2: I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to think about that.
1: (laughs) I heard this. uh, I read something online. Who knows what it was? But someone was really enjoying the smell of this new bakery that had opened Uh near their work. And they're like, oh, my God. And they found out it was a pet and animal crematorium. Oh, my God. (laughs) They're like, oh, that fucking smell I've been enjoying all this Mm. time has been fucking parrots and dogs and cats and. Fucking Remy's cousins getting fucking burned up. That's mm. crazy. How okay, here's my next question. Um If you were a killer, how would you kill someone?
2: I don't know. I, I think I'd have to strangle somebody. Do you like, have to strangle someone? I don't think I could stab somebody. Like I oh, I don't fuck no. Yeah, oh my god. I don't think I have it in me to stab somebody. I couldn't do that, um, no. It'd shooting somebody like I don't know. Way too much I never evidence. shot a real gun in my life. Oh, really? Never shot a real one. Do you want to shoot one? Um, yeah, I'd like to do that someday. Right, we can,
1: we can go in the front
2: yard <laughs> shoot, shoot one. Shoot one of the fucking but, hoodlums walking around here. Um, I I wouldn't trust myself enough to shoot somebody. Um, I don't think I could manage to stab somebody, and like, but but then there's with strangulation. The idea of them like making eye contact is pretty upsetting, right? Like, can, that's what I think of a lot of times when somebody like usually when a husband kills their wife or like a boyfriend kills a girlfriend, they manually strangle them. That's just like an Mm -hmm. easy way to do it. Um, And yeah, the thought that that person was making eye contact or like that you had to look at them while it was happening is really upsetting. Yeah, well, that's good. I
1: think we uh, can all assess that you're not a killer nor ever will be. Right. But (laughs) just in case you have to... um, I can show you a way to strangle someone where you don't have to look them in the eyes and it's very easy. Anyone can do it day one of jujitsu.
2: Okay. Want me to show you? Yeah, show me later.
1: Oh, later? All right. Fuck, I want to do it live, man. I, I would obviously would not put you in any real danger, but uh, it, it's called a rear naked choke. Okay. It's the most common submission in MMA and uh, jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see it in any action movie where someone puts a guard to sleep and he's sneaking mm-hmm. up on like the bad guys. And you can or kill whatever. someone that way? Yeah. I mean, so what it is is um, you, you're putting this, you, your arm acting as like a fulcrum mm-hmm. or, or rather like a compression and it's cutting off the blood on the carotid arteries on either side of your neck and you're putting uh, it this and you're putting it down putting your head down into the uh, elbow and then this is compressing and it just you just squeeze it until they go to sleep mm-hmm. and of course it's mostly in a simulated environment like in a jiu Jitsu academy right. or an MMA gym so people tap people go to sleep they stop but in the event that you don't let go the person doesn't wake up mm-hmm. no more blood to the brain they die So that it you don't have to look at them it's quick and easy when you, I was thinking about ways in case you asked me what I, how I would kill someone. I am asking you that. I did not even think of strangulation. And then you said Mm. that. And I was like, that's so easy. (laughs) It's not even funny. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, Oh my God, you can, you just kill people like that. Yeah. That's it. My, um, I
2: I will like, just think because I'm playing sort of the defensive card here where it's like, I would never do that. uh There have been times, there have been people in my life who have done things to my family members or Mm -hmm. who have been, the sort of force in my family's life where it's like, okay, if somebody needed to do something, I could do it just because of how much they affected and impacted mm-hmm. our lives. Um, and in that case, I have considered like, I think I could pull the trigger on them, you know, certain people. And and then the only thing that stops me is like, I'm a very, very ethical person yeah. and it really bothers me that even a pure Evil person still has some humanity to them. Mm-hmm. And it would really, really upset me to to go through that and then have to think about that. Yeah. And
1: I think the reverse is there's someone who's absolutely a measured person, an ethical person, person of morals, upstanding, and they are still capable of violence. And oh, yeah. all it takes is a moment of action to change everyone's lives that knows this person that you just killed. So, mm-hmm. right. So, so, how do you do it? Um, God, you know what? I, I don't want to just say uh, strangulation because it's too obvious, too easy, but okay. all kinds of different ways. You know, there it, it. I think the setting of where the person is is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather uh, used to make his own bullets. and I just found that out recently. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you could make your own bullets, casing and bullet and it wasn't traceable the ballistics weren't traceable because it's not in production you could um you shoot someone with a sniper rifle far a distance you know you can change wash the clothes you're not anywhere near them with a reasonable amount of time you'd have to be quite a skilled marksman to do that mm-hmm. but um i I've, I've i've thought would that be like because in my thinking if i had to kill someone my first thought is how do i get away with it not how do i end their life right because it's a a matter of like okay there's so much gunshot residue there is ballistics there is um so much to go into guns guns are just so sloppy knives are so intimate and messy and personal and it's just like that's gnarly and also if people don't die the second you stab them you either have to keep doing it like the lady I found she was stabbed like some 68 times or something Mm -hmm. and it's like how much of that was him like god damn mom die you know what I mean like this this guy killed his mom
2: yeah that's a disturbing story I don't know like how much you've looked into it just because you're personally involved I've I've looked into it after you told me the story I went and like digging up in the Uh newspaper archives the same way I am with Mm -hmm. Kristen and all the articles about it, reading the details of what happened, how it happened at their house, how her boyfriend was just watching while it happened and then helped, oh, wow. get, did you know that?
1: I didn't know he So was like her watching. son
2: was stabbing her and mm-hmm. the boyfriend just like got up and walked out of the room and let him stab her and then came back into the room at some point, saw it was still going on and walked away again and then ended up helping the son dispose of the body. So he was charged too. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, like Fuck. what kind of people are these? I can't remember his name right now. No, but her name was Tina Kegler, right? Yeah,
1: Tina Kegler. Um, She was 34. Her son's Derek Hernandez. There you go, yeah. Um, He was 16 at the time. And fuck, man. It, uh, that traumatized me in a weird way because it's not an obvious way. Yeah. It was like the Kristen Smart thing where it was like something traumatized me. It planted a seed. Yeah. And now I always have that on my mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether I know, like, when, or I always associate that with these types of things. Mm-hmm. Like I knew murder was real. I knew people killed things. I knew people's moms died. Right. I didn't know that at 10, 11 years old that I was hanging out with my dad before he we went to work. We were driving. So the story, uh, me and my dad were driving to Lompoc from Napoma, where we had lived at the time. Mm-hmm. And we always stop at this a uh, spot on Harris grade. It's a great place to stop. People stop there all the fucking time. Every time I take Harris grade, someone stopped there looking over the whole valley. You can see Vandenberg village. You can see the mountains. You can see all of Lompoc. Like it's a really great spot to observe any of the launches from Vandenberg. It's a really popular spot, which is really weird that they dumped a body there. But mm-hmm. um, this uh, son who had a drug addicted mother, was possibly on drugs himself or mentally ill and stabbed his mom 68 times had even prompted her boyfriend prior to doing it saying he was going to do it. Yeah. Like I can't stand that bitch. I'm just going to fucking do it. Like I think in the same night even and I didn't realize he had watched or had walked away and yeah, um, I knew he helped. I knew that he, they drove her body up and just threw her over the side. Yeah. Like she was right out in the open. She was like 15, 20, maybe 30 feet like from the top, you know. This, mm-hmm. this, this happened like 15 years ago, so I'm kind of fuzzy. But now every time I walk into any building or any place or any like room and flick the light on, I just expect to see dead bodies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the worst possible things you can imagine. Yeah, Just dead people. And um, because everything's on the internet now, I've seen like a number of real life gore images of dead people Mm -hmm. and nothing is more upsetting than when I see a dead black person because Tina Kegler is black and when I see them, I see her and I like, it hits me so much harder in such a weird, different way, you know? Cause like, uh, the pigment of them changes, gets lighter and you can see like, oh, this Person isn't alive anymore, the blood's gone. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing because,
2: like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, was your dad ever a suspect? Did they ever question your dad because he found her? No, no, uh, I found her. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. He was taking a piss 10, 20 <laughs>
1: feet for like right by her body, mm-hmm. down, down. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't really finish. I was a horrible storyteller. <laughs> we had stopped at this spot, it was around yeah. 9 a.m um he's going to work he's going to drop me off at my grandma's um we w- always stop there go take a piss whatever very routine for us he walks down there and he's taking a piss and I'm just scanning looking at everything he's looking he's like oh do you see those deer over there my dad is amazing at spotting deer uh, very far away somehow can't look at the road when he drives he just got in an accident because he's doing the same thing recently he's fucking looking at some animals and then <laughs> rear-ended some fucking car in front of him I'm glad he's okay um and I was looking around and I see, I was like, oh, yeah, deer, Vandenberg village, dad, body, washer, body. Like, I had to look back. I did a double take and I was like, dad, dead body. I can't even. I feel like it's not even my memory yeah. of it. I tried to think back of what I felt, what I saw, and what I said
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, like, I. And I've repeated it to newspaper reporters and news reporters and detectives and police officers and ambulance drivers, what are they called, Uh, EMTs, Mm -hmm. you know. And I just didn't fucking, uh, I can't remember how it happened anyway, but exactly what I told them.
2: Yeah. Yeah you remember telling it yeah, more than you remember it happening. Yeah. I remember
1: the image very yeah. well. I remember mm-hmm. um, like her ankle and like how her feet were a lighter skin color than her ankle. And I remember her ankle looking kind of like dusty or ashy. And then like mm-hmm. her wearing uh, short shorts and like a tank top. Mm-hmm. And I want to say they were yellow and blue. Like they were very blue, like, like sweat shorts and uh-huh. like a tank top. And, I never saw a head or a face or anything. It was a literal. Oh, whoa! I just got like a flash of it that I've never like quite remembered. I mm-hmm. did. I didn't really see um much. Of like, I didn't see any stab
2: wounds. My dad did. He got
1: close and mm-hmm. he was like, no, it's a mannequin. Dad. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> oh shit. I just
2: found that there was like a meme the other day I saw that was about things I've learned from watching true crime shows. And one of them was, it's never a mannequin because <laughs> so many people's story is like, we thought it was a mannequin and then we got up close and it wasn't.
1: Yeah. How many mannequins are <laughs> in that fucking state? That, that, that fucking, the like movements and like the contortion and I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. It was like she was on this like little like flat part of a hill, Mm -hmm. like down the hill. It looked like. Have you been back to the exact spot? You know, I've been up there a number of times Mm -hmm. and like looked down there. I wonder if I could remember where specifically her yeah. body was found.
2: I'm like, I have like an almost borderline obsession with like locations. We stuff. can go
1: up there after this. I want. would love that. Let's yeah. do that. But I'd like, I'd love that. Yeah,
2: locations are like a big thing for me. And knowing mm-hmm. exactly where something happened, it's like God. I can like feel the aura here. Yeah. Not that that's a thing, but you know what I mean. You, you feel try the vibe. To get in touch with it. Yeah. yeah it's mm-hmm. very. Yeah, I get it. I,
1: and I wonder if I could remember any more. I mean, yeah. I remember a lot. The I remember driving playing this uh game me and my dad had this game where we'd guess who was on the radio and mm-hmm. if, we'd always listen to classic rocks i love classic rock yeah. and like old rock and roll music and you know he's older than me he got a lot right but i'd get a lot right too because mm-hmm. so I remember us playing that game and then i remember getting out i remember exactly what i was wearing because it was in the newspaper and it looked so silly
2: there's a picture of you. Yeah, oh, yeah, I it, it's
1: hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I I've always dressed like the fucking like this asshole. <laughs> I had like a a beanie and like a blazer and like black tight <laughs> jeans. I was ten or eleven years old. Uh-huh. No ten year old or eleven year old <laughs> dressed like this. I don't know how I got away with it, and I don't know who let me out of the fucking house. <laughs> but, um, I remember this shoe size I was wearing because it was way bigger than the sh- my feet were. Uh-huh. Until now, now I wear that exact shoe size. It's very weird. I wish I could read like the case files or like the yeah. anything about it. That'd mm-hmm. be fantastic. Just because I really want to know what was reported. What I could, if I could see pictures of the crime scene or you know at least scene where she was left. So. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry to stop you again. I have to use the bathroom.
2: Okay. All right. I, I might go after you.
1: All right. Sounds good. You can go first, but okay. okay. welcome back folks so my last little gear shift here mm-hmm. um, I could talk to you about the Christmas smart thing forever yeah, I and I know we will
2: we can talk again once it's out because then we'll actually have better substantial yeah, things to content, re- yeah. refer
1: to yeah absolutely I would love to <laughs> I'll pencil you in dude um, it feels weird calling you dude because it's just too casual after <laughs> this like very intense conversation Yeah, in my opinion
2: were you raised religious no like i guess casually maybe like so there there was a presence yeah okay yeah both of my parents were catholic so they grew up catholic but both of them stopped going to church before i was born and so growing up we didn't go to church or anything and um it was just sort of understood that like oh yeah there's a god but it wasn't something we talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I was actually just talking to my mom about this. We had a, like a children's illustrated Bible in the house when I was growing up. And I told her some of those, cause they're like paintings that take mm-hmm. up full pages. Some of those images haunt me. Oh like that I remember God. the story of, if you know about the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. And so I don't know, I don't remember the exact details, but like God tells, this guy and his family, like you guys can get away, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to destroy the rest of the city. Don't look back. And so they're leaving. And as they're leaving and the city explodes, Mm -hmm. the wife turns around and looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. And there's a painting of that, like her like freezing into a pillar of salt. And it terrified me as a kid. And so, yeah, it was like something we talked about. Like, yeah, there's Bible stories and all this stuff, but we didn't go to any specific church gotcha. um yeah cool fuck yeah <laughs>
1: That's an interesting fucking illustrated Bible. It's weird no. the kind of things that stick with you from when right. you're a kid. I told kind of her I am
2: you. desperate to find that exact yeah. pressing oh, because geez. I think if I saw it, it would be very nostalgic for me. There's also an image of, so I think it's Abraham takes his son mm-hmm. to the top of a mountain to sacrifice yeah. him. And there's a picture of him like raising a knife oh and his God. son is laying on a pile of bones or thorns Jesus or
1: something. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And
2: those images are like, whoa. And there were very detailed, like Renaissance type paintings. And I was like, I need to find that exact Bible because those things are burned into my memory, but I need to see them again. I wish there was like a store, giant storage warehouse
1: of everything that I ever came across like that in my life. Like every article of clothing, blankie. That's why I am a meticulous
2: documentarian now of my own life because of things like that, where it's like, I remember this so well, but it was lost or destroyed or something. We also, we moved... When I was a kid, we moved like 12 times yeah. to different houses. And so each time we moved, my dad, would not each time, but several prominent times, my dad would get a friend or neighbor to just help him like just strong arm all of our crap into a U-Haul and anything that didn't fit, they would just destroy or take to the dump. And there were so many like childhood memories of mine that they're like, who cares about this? Jeez. That I feel like have directly traumatized me in a way that I don't mean to sound dramatic, but mm-hmm. that has stuck with me up till now well that it's I not dramatic it is traumatic um I i'm sorry that rhymes yeah. but like it, it sticks with you and yeah. it changes you and yeah so i think as a result i'm not a hoarder but i do hold on to things more than i need to because i'm like i wouldn't even uh, get that vibe being in your place yeah no you you, you don't even look no.
1: like the, the i i'm more of a hoarder but you being <laughs> in this apartment than mm-hmm. i see it. I mean, I've never been in your bedroom. But my
2: mom, like right now, my mom is cleaning out her garage, which is just all the stuff that we have saved over the Mm -hmm. years. And she's just getting rid of a bunch of stuff. Are you going over there like, what the fuck, Kathy? I, I, (laughs) I told her when I'm here and you're doing it, I- I need to leave. Like it actually makes me physically ill thinking about things that you are getting rid of because you don't think they're important that in years from now, I'm going to say, hey, do you know where this is? And she's like, yeah, I threw it out. So she's like, I think she's being careful because she knows I'm sensitive to that kind of thing. Me too. But I was like, just to let you know, this stems from all of those traumatic moves. Just, it wasn't any one person's fault, but the way we moved and the way we got rid of my stuff has really affected me. So I don't know what your question was. (laughs) I don't know where we...
1: Um, well, I had asked you if you were raised religious and I oh. bled
2: into the Yeah, the Bible. And the Bible and yeah. the, uh, yeah, all the things. So, anyway. So. All right. uh, yeah, you were saying you wish that there was a warehouse of yeah, all of, all of shit. your stuff. Yeah. yeah, because the little toys I grew up with. I had this little. I, n- I need those back. <laughs> I had this calculator. I think it was called Mr. Professor. And it's a mm-hmm. yellow calculator with like a professor's face on the top. And the buttons are like hard and they click when you press the numbers hmm. and they would light up red. And I. That was like one of my favorite toys yeah. and it got lost somewhere along the way. And so a few years ago, I went and looked for it on eBay and found one. It was like, this is, I've had, is that one of yours? I've <laughs> had this stuffed animal
1: mm-hmm. since I could remember
2: memories. Wow, it's clean.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's I, in good shape. I take care of it. There used yeah. there is a was a music box that this uh-huh. would, I was in here and I'd wind it up. And what my earliest memory, um, I might've told you this on our podcast, mm-hmm. we did it at your, your place, okay. um, was me being like scared of the thunder and lightning and rain outside mm-hmm. on on the I lived on Mercury in Napomo and uh my mom winding this up and me sleeping with it and it, me like going to sleep with the sound of this and the rain and thunder on the yeah. window and I've had this ever since I like wow. if like if there was a fire I'd grab <laughs> like some journals and this yeah like i don't really need anything else like that's what's the the rest of its you know might be a tad sentimental but like i've had that my my whole life yeah i even have the music box somewhere Mm -hmm. it's in another box um just in case i could ever repair it yeah if i I think if i put that music box in the uh, elephant and it worked i would break down into a million tears (laughs) (laughs) if i could ever hear that again yeah Anyways, um okay. <sighs> why are we here? Remy What is going on? Oh my god, that's his new toy. <laughs> the thing's so fucking crazy. It sounds like he's murdering. They're like an a toddler animal. was being yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know why violence against children makes me laugh so hard. Right, hold up. We gotta close this. Just so that fucking, that was insane. I hope that picked it up on the mics. I forgot about
2: What was your question? Why are we here? Why are we? Oh, um, jeez, <laughs> That sound. Um, somewhere, okay, somewhere like maybe two years ago or so, I wrote down, I could probably find it if I look, a note on my phone and I don't remember what was happening at the time where I heard it, but it just was like this very striking realization. And I've referred to it several times now. And I still, I still think it holds true at least for me. The meaning of my life is ongoing creation. Mm-hmm. Like whatever that means. It's just like never ceasing making stuff.
1: Well, yeah. And, I mean, look at all your albums and the two podcasts. You did three years and uh, 168 episodes. How many episodes? Of uh, 156, I think. 156 yeah. episodes of one. And now mm-hmm. you have uh, this one, which you spent the all of 2019 doing yeah. virtually. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So I, I totally... Can see yeah. and and the moment stuck. it's
2: done, I'll already be partway through something else. Uh, I keep That's thinking beautiful. about my next album because it's like I've act. This is the longest break I've taken from just purely making music in in ever. Like since I started writing music, yeah. and so I think at some point I'm gonna get the bug to make an album again, and that will totally take me off of the track I'm on now. And so I really want to make sure I get this podcast mm-hmm. done and done well before that happens because I know the moment it strikes, it's like. Oh damn it! My heart's not in this podcast anymore because I am fully moving towards an album twelve. Right?
1: Uh, is it? Yeah. One, yeah, two, it'll be three, twelve. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. um, twelve. What, what are the twelve? I have eleven here or uh, ten here. rather. way, one, two, three, four. Oh, five. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I double two came up. came out in the, the same I year. I double up. Yeah. Them. Um, well, you said there's the longest you've taken away from writing music.
2: I'm or, still writing like I've or, written making, or from just working on an album yeah oh, okay. I haven't started the process of like here we go I'm making an album now I've just written so 2015 mm-hmm. and 2017 you were working on albums of course yeah exactly Okay. Yeah, 2015 was all recording for the blue hour mm-hmm. and 2017 was all recording constant education okay. and so even it, they took longer because I think they're like the best albums I had done up until then I really like was careful with the songs thank god those are the ones I've completely listened to man <laughs> yeah but uh, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, go ahead. Yeah. So the next one it will probably take me longer because mm-hmm. it's more important to me now to be kind of you know careful with what I'm crafting and make sure it's something that means a lot to me. And I've done so many before that it's like why even put out anymore unless it's the best thing I've ever done. So it's good. But the moment that I get like that strike of inspiration to start making it, everything else will fall away, and it's like nope, this is my my path in life now. Mm-hmm. So right now it's the Kristen smart podcast. That's my number would one. You, would you
1: ever write uh, music about Kristen?
2: Is, actually, somebody asked me that, like, why don't you write a song about it? And it's like, I don't know why, but I cannot write songs like on assignment that way, where it's like, why don't you write a song about blank? I don't know. It just songs come to me the way they do. And if I sit down and try to write a song about a specific thing, it comes out in its own way. Mm-hmm. And also it feels very cheesy to me. Like I can't can imagine strive. how I would write a song about Kristen Smart without it just being just total cheese ball.
1: Well, I hope that at some point there is a organic moment where this podcast and everything had an effect yeah. on your life. And I think it will definitely
2: come out in whatever the next album is, will probably have shades of this last year in it but I don't know what You're that will be me excited for your yeah. album now too. That's cool. <laughs> I, I think even about just the way that parents love their children, like mm-hmm. just that sentiment from this year and meeting them and talking to them will probably come out in some form thinking about myself as a parent or thinking about my own parents and the way they loved me, Do- that maybe the things that I've learned in the course of doing this will come out in song form, but not as direct as like, this song is about Kristen. It will be a very, you know, organic thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see how it couldn't be, yeah. you know. Um, do you find it difficult to, like, grow up and watch people and your loved ones uh, grow old and like, the age? I'm having a lot of anxiety lately about because uh, I lost my brother-in-law, John, and it was like, fuck, one of the young people in our family yeah. is dead? Like, that's a trip. Um, and I'm seeing, I, I just hung out with my brother, uh, Nolan, for the first time. In like five, six years, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in a long time, mm-hmm. six or seven years. And he was like, Wow, dad, dad looks so old. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> and I was like, Fuck. Yeah, yeah, he does. I see it every time I see him. Yeah. I think about it and I'm like, Fuck. You know, my dad's just out in the sun. So he just has leather skin. So he <laughs> just looks old. But I think about that and I think about my mom and I think about like, you know, she's had like stage four cancer before. And I thought like, fuck, like if my brother-in-law can die, that means like my sister can die and my brother can die and I can die. And, you know, like it's not so much of a worry. I never circle that back to, oh my God, am I going to die? Like I, I don't, if for some reason, me worrying about the other people in my life dying, ne- I never get anxious about my own death. Mm. Cause I just, assume like, well, my timeline just ends then. And I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Not a biggie. Um, to me. So I was just curious cuz just something I'm going through and I was curious. Yeah. Maybe he's going through that. Like
2: definitely not with aging. Like um it, I totally know what you're talking about because I visited my dad moved to Louisiana when I was I think 19 and I didn't see him again until I was 27. So for 8 years I didn't see my dad at all and I had been dating Allie for Gosh, five years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you have to meet my dad. It's crazy that you haven't met my dad. Yeah. And I haven't seen my dad in so long. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. He refuses to come back here. He will not come to California ever again. He just insists on it. And what so did I was he do, like, kill Kristen Smart? Oh, <laughs> um, sorry. I lost my train of thought now. Sorry. Um, but so because of that, I was like, we have to, we have to be the ones yeah. to be proactive here. We have to drive there. And so we drove there. We didn't even tell him we were coming. We just drove all the way there nice. and called him on the way. And we're like, hey, we're coming. We'll be there in two days. And then just stayed with him for a week. Aww. And um, and she got to know him and stuff. But the first thought I had when I saw him was, oh my God, he's gotten so much older. Aww. His his hair is solid white now. Yeah. When he left, it was black. Yeah. Um, just a lot of, yeah, it's like, Wow he did age a lot and then I think well that's mostly because he did it out of sight and then I mm-hmm. suddenly just thrust on this image of a yeah. dad who's eight years older than the way I remember him but besides that like aging like is kind of a beautiful thing to me like I really do think of when people get older they get wrinkly their hair turns white as like sort of like the changing of the seasons like the way trees change colors and stuff it's, it's beautiful. like beautiful it, like, I am really, and, and really it, bummed out when people do like plastic surgery or stuff to try to look younger. You'll never know what they're supposed to look like. Exactly. It's not yeah. that. And, and like celebrities, Sucks. especially, where it's like, oh my God, you don't look younger. You just don't look good. Look, you look at strange. Look at young James Garner, and then look at old James Garner. It's <laughs>
1: beautiful. It's yeah. a fucking crazy thing to see. Like, this guy was a titan of Hollywood yeah. and, you know, the Rockford Files, and they have all this uh, history down to the notebook. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like this beautiful actor. Like, yeah. um, just, just for example, cause it's someone that's in the spotlight, uh, someone I can compare it to, but I know, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, to a degree. Yeah. I, I, I really I do
2: enjoy the process of aging and like seeing people age. It's like, well, that's I love just how it is. Like I, 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 I hate that I do this. I think I'm
1: kind of annoying with it, but I do so many, um, uh, Comparisons to jujitsu and how, how many like analogies I can use mm-hmm. in that life. And I, I what I've been using a lot is the belt system they have. Mm-hmm. They have five main belts and then like upper belts that people like five people ever reach, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think about people in like certain degrees of their life when they're kind of a novice at something and yeah. they're in the white belt and then they're, you know, they're getting a little better at something and then they're in the like the, the prime, like the central of this, peak and that's like the purple belt, which is the middle belt. It's Mm -hmm. when you start teaching people jujitsu yourself and it's allowed, you know, and, and then like, I, I, uh, um, not to get too far away from the topic, but I love seeing people and just kind of be like, Oh, like they're like a black belt level in life. Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I know, I know to me, like the, that whole, um, pageantry of martial arts is kind of gross to me. Like when people talk about like their belts, I'm like, Mm when I think about other martial arts or like fake martial arts. So just want to let everyone know if that sounded gross. <laughs> I think it sounded gross too. But um, like seeing like a young Brad Pitt and then seeing like fucking hot old Brad Pitt in that new Tarantino movie <laughs> mm-hmm. like that, like that fucking, it's crazy to see how, how far people come. Yeah. Um I'm interested to see how I change.
2: Yeah. You know?
1: did you ever think you'd look the way you look right now?
2: I did actually. uh, Funny enough, we, my mom, I told you she's cleaning out her garage, getting Uh rid of stuff. She found a comic that I drew when I was like eight. Oh, and it was, it was uh, called like coming home or something. And it was me as an adult coming back to visit. So I drew my old dad. So I just drew my dad, but bald. Mm -hmm. I drew her old. And I think I just put glasses on her. And then I drew myself old and I looked, exactly like i do now. no fucking like, way beard glasses wearing a button-up shirt which i never wore when i was young and it's mm-hmm. like okay yeah i was pretty pretty spot on but then because i don't know if you grew up with like a close sibling but my brother's one year younger than me mm-hmm. so in the comic i like coming back to visit and my brother is like morbidly obese <laughs> and wearing a bikini <laughs> and i
1: was like this, that,
2: that was like my spot on yeah too. my uh <laughs> satire at eight years old was my brother's going to be fat.
1: In a <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I looked exactly like I thought I would. So yeah. Do you think much. that you planted that and you've arrived
1: at this because you thought you were going to look this way no, and it might've subconsciously shaped it? I guess
2: that could be. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to need glasses. Like I just always drew myself older with glasses, but mm-hmm. then I don't know, eight, you 10 years ago. You I- fucking illustrated your own ailment. That's, <laughs> That's what you did. I ruined my eyes. I'm gonna start. Drawing. My eyes are terrible now, though. Like I'm gonna and I, start drawing myself with a bigger dick. <laughs> I always knew I'd have a beard too, but, but I didn't. I didn't can't. actually grow a beard until I started dating Allie And as soon as we started dating, and I started growing a little bit of a beard, she was like, "You look a lot hotter with a beard." And I never shaved How it again. Rude. <laughs> actually, she didn't say it like that. She just said, "I, I like really like the the beard is super hot." And I was like, "Okay, I'm never shaving," and I have never shaved it again. I've never seen you without a beard. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't I, want to.
1: I might have seen a photo in a newspaper clipping
2: when there's um, young photos, yeah.
1: When I want to say is, I want to say is Krakatoa Laser Punch. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was a newspaper article about it. Yeah, um, and
2: I think there was a young you, but your face was kind of obscured. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck did that name for that album come from, by the way? Randomness. Okay, uh, like. Okay. I told Ali I want to make a super absurdist album Ooh. and I want the title to just make no sense. And on the spot, I was like something like Krakatoa Laser Punch. And then we just wrote it down and that was the name. That's amazing. I love- <laughs> Can- um, <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? <laughs> um, I tend to lean towards like our consciousness continuing in some way like I don't picture it being blackness but I also don't picture like a spirit just like walking around doing ghost stuff but I picture that like somehow like my brain will continue registering things that are going on or if not my brain my- It's
1: backed up in the cloud.
2: Yeah exactly. Something like that. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's over, but I also don't think there's like a whole afterlife section where you do stuff. My ultimate is that God explains everything that was like all the things I'm like, why did that have to happen? And he's like, here's exactly why. But I think that's more fantasy than anything.
1: When I think about the uh, chaotic randomness of the universe and why certain things happen and like why you and I are sitting here and why Kristen smart's dead and why I, you know, just all these insane things, um, And I think about the idea of them being explained and knowing cynically that they're not going to be Mm -hmm. that existence itself makes no sense. Yeah. I don't understand why, why human and universe and earth and it like any of that's a thing. Yeah. Like I just was like awake one day. There's no proof that this is real. Yeah. This is uh, a, or
2: even do you ever have this thought that like, that, even your past wasn't real; that you exist in this moment right now, and all of your memories are implanted.
1: I I, in, uh, I subscribe to the whole idea of a matrix, yeah, very heavily. Mm-hmm. Whether I um, want to operate that on that or
2: not, mm-hmm. like
1: so much of. I just took a fucking philosophy class one day, and I was like, "We're in a goddamn matrix." You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can't. Yeah.
2: Didn't Didn't there's some scientific study that said it's more likely than not that we are in a simulation? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Some like, but you know, I. M- men did that study. study
2: sure, yeah. you know.
1: Or even worse, women could have done this study. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um just fucking kidding. But um like it, it could be flawed because humans are flawed yeah. and there's no like and I our I, understanding I take of that things is so
2: limited. Like I I I don't trust any solution that sounds easy that it's like oh scientists prove this and it's like did they like they're working with human knowledge and that's mm-hmm. pretty much it Very limited, and yeah. yeah like I know that they're doing the best they can but I think there's only so much we can know and can learn do you know about like I don't know if you're into quantum mechanics or anything you know I've been trying to
1: find a way to get into these sorts of things yeah so maybe what you should look
2: up a video like look up a video on the double slit experiment this is the one that like trips me out the most and I know like I am not educated enough to Mm -hmm. explain it myself but basically there's this experiment they do where they shoot photons at a wall and they put like a sheet of gold or some kind of conductor in between it and they cut two slits in the gold so that they shoot the photons at the thing and that's supposed to go in one of the two, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're just shooting one little thing of light. And instead what they found is that when they look back at the data, that the light splits in two and goes through both slits at the same time Uh and then becomes one again on the other side and hits the wall in the center of the two slits. And that when they're being observed, they won't do that. They only do it when they're not being observed And so it's like photons, like the very, like tiny, tiny particles are like changing their behavior based on human observation. That's when I start to think like, okay, like the fabric of the universe and all that is alive uh, and like messing with us. And it it knows that we're watching. It knows that we're trying to learn things and it doesn't want us to get too far. So there's times that I've thought that the very fabric of the universe is sentient and maybe even God, that it is a creator Everything. of some kind and we're all made of the same mm-hmm. stuff. And so, yeah, I think the deeper we try to dig, the more we're starting to learn, like, Oh my God, it knows that we're trying to learn about it and it doesn't want us to. Those How thoughts cool trip me. Out. That? Yeah. That, I actually really enjoy that. Thought. That's
1: so much cooler than what I thought you were going to say something. that was going to stress me out. That just <laughs> made me like, I think that sounds so fucking cool yeah. because there's an idea that we've observed it without it knowing yeah. in a way that we've like, pulled a fast one on him yeah so that's interesting mm-hmm. also that lends itself to so many like uh, just universal things mm-hmm. The fuck something else you were saying also oh like if something separates and then comes back together again mm-hmm. I feel like that is a metaphor for closure yeah you think that uh, there's gonna be some closure this year within the next we'll year we'll see we'll see I think there might be. Hmm. This is gonna be a fun one to go back and listen to and find a fucking title for. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I have one in my head, but okay. Anyways, um, actually, one of my questions was how uh, how's your dad? Do you guys talk more?
2: And no, um, I haven't talked to my dad since my birthday in March. I think he called and we talked for like ten minutes on the phone, and it was mostly about like what food he'd eaten that week and what he's planning to eat next week, and um. Yeah. He doesn't talk to us at all. And when we try to talk to him, we can't get a hold of him. Why is that? I don't know. Like part of me thinks that he detached from like, he ended up in California accidentally. Like he came out here on his way to Washington. He mm-hmm. was moving up there. His car broke down at the Buellton on-ramp right here. Mm-hmm. And he just lived in Lompoc. And then uh, he was engaged at the time and he broke off that relationship. Then he met my mom in Santa Maria and just ended up having kids and staying. So the moment that we were adults, he was just like, I'm like out of here. And so I think he doesn't want to look back. That
1: that car breakdown took way too long. I'm going back. Yeah,
2: it was 20 years of my life and now I'm out. That that part of me, um, because I'm not like
1: connected to that situation Mm -hmm. in in any way, shape or form, I don't have any emotional investment in that, really romanticizes the idea of driving somewhere, getting stopped or my car is broken down. Having a whole life there, yeah, and then going back to like where you came waking from, waking up yeah. from your your long dream you had about living a whole life right. with something, and then going back to that, yeah, it's really strange. And
2: I know that's why he doesn't want to come back to California because he views it as like a place he got trapped in. Mm-hmm. But with my mom, she's like, yeah, but you have two grown children here who are like now in their thirties, and they want to be in contact with yeah. you. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm working and just, I don't know. He's, uh, he's also, I've, I've come to understand that my dad is just a very so, I don't even want to say superficial cause I don't mean it that, but he's just sort of a surface, surface level, level person. Okay. He just like, he likes to talk about the daily agenda and mostly like where it revolves around what he's going to be cooking and mm-hmm. eating that day. And beyond that, I can't get very deep with him. He just doesn't like to go there. And I'm a very deep person. Like I like to have, my mom and I can go for hours and hours. Like if my mom and I had a podcast, it'd Mm -hmm. just be endless. just talking all the time. But my dad's never been like that. And so, I don't know. He just doesn't want to talk about it much. He doesn't. Would you have a podcast with either your parents? No. But. I mean, an episode. I I thought about having my mom on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I thought about having my mom on Are We Okay? But it's just like, I don't know how much. I don't know, it'd be like why I didn't have Ali on for a long Mm -hmm. time. It's like, I know everything about you. So where do we start? Do we Mm -hmm. just start in the middle of a conversation? Because with Are We Okay? There's a very like a flow of like, I'm going to get to know you. We're going to talk about how you got here in life. And now what do you think happens after this? With my mom, it's like, are we just starting in the middle or I don't know. But yeah, I had thought about it. But then once it got towards the end, it's like, I just kind of want this to be over. (laughs) (laughs) All right well
1: I have a speed round for you oh good when's the last time you cried um I've almost cried three times during this podcast <laughs> just to let everyone know
2: uh, when I was in Stockton talking about Kristen with her mother yeah with her we had a luncheon with all of her like family friends and friends of hers from high school and we all just went around the table and they shared memories of things Kristen liked to do and stuff. And I started getting really like, oh my God, this is painful. Cause there was, there was not like a mournful tone to it. It was a very much like Kristen was awesome. And she was like the sweetest girl. And she was so friendly and she was, and it was just like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to cry. And so, yeah. And then the one of, So the, they put together a video to play at her funeral when they had a funeral for her where they officially declared her dead and mm-hmm. it's on YouTube and like you can watch it. Her mom just put mm-hmm. together a bunch of videos and photos and they set it to some songs that remind them of Kristen mm-hmm. and one of them was Once, Twice, Three Times a Lady. Um, I you know, know that song. It's a 70s song, I think. Yeah. Um, that came on the radio while we were all talking and everybody at the table just kind of lost it. Oh, I was like, oh, this is fuck, from Kristen's dude. funeral video. And so, yeah. Okay. If I was going to play you
1: in a one-man show, <laughs> what are three, plops, three props I'd have? Um,
2: I'd yeah. have to have. I think they change all the time now. Um, I would say at this point glasses, a beard, and then I don't want to say then you could be anybody. Maybe glasses, a beard, and a microphone.
1: That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. What were you not going to say? A plaid shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, dude, that's, That could be anyone. Yeah, that, it could be yeah. anybody
2: at all. So uh, yeah. I could be you for Halloween, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, specifically for this podcast, for uh, the Kristen Smart thing, mm-hmm. got this rig that uh, all the people from This American Life use, so like this big- portable recorder and a shotgun microphone and then headphones so when I walk into a room I've been telling people it's like I look like a Ghostbuster. yeah you look like a ghost hunter one of those annoying people (laughs) (laughs) so like maybe more specifically that rig Mm -hmm. is like very uniquely me now gotcha
1: (laughs) I'm gonna skip that one because I already heard that one okay earliest memory I think we talked about that on probably yeah I've said uh, several of them yeah so um, what did you expect coming on this podcast?
2: Um, I thought you were going to ask me a lot of questions that I wouldn't be able to answer like about about this podcast specifically. About my podcast sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'd have to be like oh I can't talk about that yet because it's not out. I was
1: afraid of that happening too.
2: Yeah it didn't really. Yeah. Um, I expected your room to smell worse and be <laughs> a little dirtier. It
1: smell worse? Does it smell bad?
2: No it doesn't smell bad at all okay, but I thought good. I would walk in and be like oh my god it smells like Like bo and Ali's guess was what did she say bo and pot and something else does it I said a letter now
1: does it smell like weed in here No, not at all. That's so weird because I smell like like a candle. There's
2: two (laughs) joints right there. I had my (laughs) pipe right there. I don't Uh, know. I don't smell it at all. I smell a candle. If you lit a candle, maybe some kind of hazelnut. (laughs) No, I all I always um have a
1: candle. It's actually in the bathroom right now. Okay. Um, because I was I was actually taking out my trash one of the trashes smelled like puke and I was like that's weird because <laughs> I definitely didn't puke in there so uh, I put it in the bathroom to wash it out in the shower then that smelled so I put it in the garage so I had to light a candle in here and in there it's a candle Kylie got me it's like some tobacco scent okay um is that all that's all I expected yeah the what were <laughs> the, the other smell BO weed not far off I can't remember what the other one I'm was I'm very self-conscious about odors like it's always the first thing I tell my guests, like, oh, sorry about the way like my hi- house smells. Or it's always huh. like my first icebreaker is like, isn't it weird when you go to like your friend's house and they always have that one smell and you're <laughs> like, why does my friend's house smell like this? Yeah. So I'm very, um, uh, I get very emotional about scents mm-hmm. when I, when I, I was at work yesterday at Starbucks and I was cleaning the bathroom and strangely enough, someone had like definitely put perfume on in there and it was the same Smell or smelled quite a bit like the perfume Kylie wore when I first started seeing her. Yeah. And I um kept finding excuses to go into that bathroom
2: to <laughs> smell it more. Yeah. So the first girl, like I had a serious crush mm-hmm. on, she used this lotion on her hands that was from Bath and Body Works. Mm-hmm. And every time I smell that exact scent, I'm like, oh my God, I'm 14. And like, have mm-hmm. you, there's a GIF, uh, a what? A GIF. What's that? Uh, like, I, a graphic inner what is it? Oh, a gif. Yeah, it's gif actually. It's gif. The the inventor of it calls it a gif and so I would guess question what. That. <laughs> the inventor of the peppy, the frog doesn't <laughs> own that shit anymore. <laughs> the, well, it's the, a GIF. the, the um, culture owns it. It's okay. gif. <laughs> um, there's one of those where it shows it's like a computer generated mm-hmm. graphic of a guy walking upstairs and then he just falls down the mm-hmm. stairs. <laughs> In slow, (laughs) he's like a almost like a mannequin looking guy, and he just Uh, rolls down the stairs backwards. I picture that every time I smell that smell. (laughs) Why tumbling downstairs? Because like pain. Yeah, Uh, there, there, there is. Um,
1: it's funny because oh, someone's home. You've been here that long? Oh (laughs) man, that's okay. Most people are usually here during uh, them getting home. Um, there's this. Perfume smell that uh, my first like junior high girlfriend mm-hmm. wore, and she, I, don't, I don't, I don't really know her, but um, I love that smell. Yeah. To this day, I'm like, oh, geez, like that smell like reminds me of like that really rad month of junior high I had or whatever. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, I feel that. Um, what's an album that's perfect, start to finish? Uh, Pet Sounds by the Beach
2: Boys. Is a fucking
1: cop out ass answer. Is How it? dare
2: you? I have more Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. Okay, I've never heard that. Okay, it's I, I I've learned that especially because I make albums and that's sort of something I'm really focused on. The best albums are the ones that the first time you hear them, you're like, what the hell am I listening to? And yeah. they take several listens to be like, oh my God, I just got it. Like it, it has to click.
1: Yeah. And so I've yeah. never, no one's ever put that into words for me yeah. before. I think. Yeah. On yeah.
2: Movies that. too, where like you see a movie and it's like, oh, that was fine. But there's movies I've watched even recently that I see. And it's like, I feel like I need to watch that 10 more times and it's going to be one of my favorite films ever.
1: There's this movie flashbacks of a fool with mm-hmm. uh daniel craig that movie um i saw it on like some movie channel on direct tv when i was a teenager and i was mm-hmm. like oh this is a cool movie and then i saw it at the video store in napomo and i was like oh i gotta i'm gonna check this out i can't pick a movie mm-hmm. This before netflix and stuff was we had it and um i watched it and i was like fuck this movie's really good and i watched it and i owned that same copy from yeah. that video store <laughs> because it just like fucked me up so much mm-hmm. and i just love that Love that movie and it it took me a, quite a few viewings yeah to get to it um
2: can you tell me a mistake you're in the process of making or that you think you're in uh I think I'm stressing myself up, out too much about a deadline for this podcast like when it comes out I don't think it matters I, I concur. think as long as it's good when it comes out it won't matter at all
1: I agree um that's what happened with my podcast Mm-hmm. Is uh, the deadline for yeah. it, it coming? And um, I think I um, could have waited uh, maybe a couple more weeks, maybe put a little more into it. Yeah. But I do like the uh, kind of haphazard way it came out. Mm-hmm. So
2: that's always been one of my rules and like advice for other people. If you're going to do creative stuff, don't set a deadline for yourself, mm-hmm. especially it's like record labels will set a deadline for you. Like, Managers it will set a deadline for the you. If you process. don't have one of those, if you're not on a label or you're doing things independently, don't set a deadline. Like work on it until it's really good and then put it out. But I think the problem that a lot of those people have mm-hmm. is that they'll take advantage of that and be like, Well, if there's no deadline, then I'll just they use drag as, my feet and then never get it done. They and use it's it like, as a tool. So, yeah. So yeah. you have to balance. You have to drive yourself and make sure you know it's gonna get done mm-hmm. and then not set a specific date for it to get done. Like I'll do it, I'll work hard, and then when it's good, I'll put it out. And whenever that is, that's fine.
1: Would you you say there's merit in having um, a date to live up to?
2: Yeah. But I think when you announce it to the world, then you're like, it's not, you're trapping yourself. So the only reason I announced that the podcast would be out this summer is because I just knew it wouldn't take me that much longer. Mm -hmm. It's like in February, I thought I'm pretty close to like getting this Mm -hmm. recorded. And then once I started interviewing people and getting connected to more it's like oh my god Quite this could go on indefinitely yeah. yeah i should have not announced it but i didn't know that at the time i was announcing it
1: well i hope enough people that are uh followers fans and listeners of are we okay uh will listen to this and understand that like hey you know your own backyard's going to come out when it comes yeah out. it's and happening it's definitely yeah, just, yeah. like just gotta wait for it yeah the the idea that it has to come out at a certain date and people yeah. holding to it would be silly also
2: like just in my head like because i promised summer and so I keep thinking Uh gotta get it out before the end of September Mm -hmm. the more that I'm thinking about it I think that October, November is actually a perfect time to get involved with something like this Mm -hmm. where like when you want to, like when a new album comes out, when an album comes out in October it's like it hits hard because
1: nothing else is going on except Halloween. And that's at the
2: end of the month. Right. So we're like, the the way the leaves look on the trees, like the way people are acting, like October feels different. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So trying to get it out in the summer was just like, well, it'll be done by then. But the more I thought about it, it's like, it's not a very summer listen. It's like, you don't want to spend your summer not being at the beach because you're at home listening to a, hypothetical murder scenario Dude, I would
1: much rather because when I consider um, school mm-hmm. and even though it happened during the summer that uh, her, her murder um I think of school and fall and school starting and leaves and academics and yeah. dorm rooms and there's like all these uh visual associations I have with it so mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think that um, honestly I think you should shoot for October instead yeah um three ta- three traits you don't like about yourself.
2: Um, I get frustrated very easily. Okay. Um, I have a lot of, uh, issues cropping up recently with anxiety. Like if I talk on the phone to somebody, I just notice that I'm holding my breath the whole time Mm -hmm. I'm talking to them. I'm just very, very uncomfortable, even if I try to relax myself. Um, um, and I procrastinate a lot. Like, yeah not on things that really matter, but if something needs to get done, I'll do it the night before. And yeah.
1: I love doing that.
2: Yeah. I, the I think pressure's fine. The pressure definitely. I enjoy that.
1: Yeah. What are three traits you like about yourself?
2: Um, My curiosity, I think is probably my best trait. It I think really is. Me being curious about things is what has driven me to do things. So I want to know everything. I just want to know about um, everything yeah. and, so, if you mention a thing, it's like, I'm going to go home and Google it and look. Like, you know, you told me about the murder and yeah. like this woman you found. Uh-huh. And the next thing you know, I'm like, I have all these newspaper clippings because I want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'd, yeah.
1: I'd love to see uh, what you accessed that I probably couldn't. Yeah. With my... I think I
2: sent you one of them, but. Oh, yeah. I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, no, it had know. your name in it, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen a photo. Um, Gosh, what else do I like about myself? I like that I'm quiet. Like, that's one of the it's things pretty... that I don't think a lot of people. See as a positive, but I listen a lot. I'm so glad you said that. Really, <laughs> just because
1: you're right. People kind of think, "Oh, I'm quiet and I'm out." Like they associate it with uh, some negative things, and I think yeah. there's a lot of power in it. Mm-hmm. Those people are funnier with they. It's a uh, you get more killer than filler, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah, because I'm like all bullshit most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> I'm just like a fucking
2: leaky faucet over here. (laughs) But sitting there quietly, I think some people think they're doing something wrong or that something's wrong with me. And it's like, I am an observer Mm -hmm. and I really, really like to take things in and then go home and read about them. Like I will, everything you talk about at the dinner table, if I'm not talking, Mm -hmm. I'm going to look it up later. I'm going to learn a lot about it. And
1: I'm a spaz and I'll be like, (laughs) what? Okay. Right. That's why I'm writing shit (laughs) down. I'm adding more to the fucking notes here this whole time. Mm -hmm. Oh my God.
2: Was that three? Was that? T- that was, I don't know. That, that was, was curiosity.
1: Two. and
2: uh, uh, Three, I, I like that I make my, that I uh, motivate myself, that like I don't have anybody telling me what to do and I still manage to put things out and I could get high things five done you all you the time.
1: That Because it's, uh, you're, um, I think you're very self-aware because those are all very adept answers, uh, at you. least about the positive ones, uh, things you don't like about yourself. Sorry, you're on your own, but um, <laughs> I could help you with anxiety, uh, you know. <laughs> don't eat a really sugary processed foods um go for walks um breathe through your nose uh lift lift some dumbbells that's what i do to not get anxiety a touch of the cbd um i had a question uh that when we were doing the live read for napoleon dynamite there was a some cbd water that that guy had offered you and i was like oh you got cbd water and you're like oh here do you want this and you like pass it off to me because uh-huh. you didn't
2: want it. Uh, why was that? I don't remember that, but um, I don't know. I'm very, very, like you said, very self aware. I'm very conscious of anything I'm taking into my body, okay. and I'm very like if I like if I have a very sugary beverage or anything. Mm-hmm. That's all I think about. It's like I can't believe I'm drinking this right now. I can't <laughs> believe I'm eating this. I do that too. And now. so any sort of thing like I know that. Um, a lot of people are using C B D for like relaxation or yeah. like um and all that sort of stuff. It makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable to think that there's a chance that I'm gonna feel different. Oh in a way that I don't want to. Like okay. I wanna feel exactly the way I'm supposed to feel and not numb it even in the slightest. And I don't I don't know a lot uh, about that, C B D. That's but,
1: what a lot of apprehension I had mm-hmm. for a long time um was before I like started tried smoking weed or anything mm-hmm. or yeah. I was I was like I don't want to be out of control of this. Yeah. But um, as as someone who drinks, smokes weed, and has CBD every day, mm-hmm. um, you're very self aware of yeah. the moment, and you're self aware of how it um doesn't change you, but how it how it affects you. Mm-hmm. And I th- I was just curious because I thought maybe you thought it was. Uh, gonna get you high?
2: Oh no! And no, I'm I was very aware. Yeah, there's no psychoactive. Yeah, no, yeah, and stuff. No. no. So, yeah, I know. I know a bit about CBD, but um, I know that with on the THC side of things, like my brother is a stoner, like mm-hmm. a professional stoner, Beautiful. essentially, and the, Mine too. Um, But because of that, he doesn't really do anything else. That's just sort of he just wants to live a very boilerplate life. It's like if I okay. just have a TV to watch stuff on or like a computer to play mm-hmm. stuff on. And then some pot, I'll be fine. And that has always sort of, I've been the opposite of Mm -hmm. that. It's like, and so I've always connected it with that sort of lifestyle. And I don't know. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah, I don't know many like stoners, functional stoners. Yeah, who are doing things and getting things done Mm -hmm. in the way that I prefer to get things done. Not that I think CBD is part of that, but it's definitely like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'd rather just have regular water if that's an option, just because I'm like that fair call yeah. cuz i
1: in my head i was like who wouldn't want cbd Yeah, like, this stuff's <laughs> right. been really awesome mm-hmm. um, it's really great for pain yeah I've I, heard that. I've and the oil and anxiety mm-hmm. i um i just use like a little like pen like this and i just just like a tiny little hit and it's like um, brings my anxiety levels down calms me mm-hmm. um, uh, gives me pain relief and it's really good anti-inflammatory so I advocate it to uh, anyone who is having trouble with anxiety, or maybe they have like like I have terrible, terrible lower back pain because of my sciatica and my herniated disc, mm-hmm. and then I have had I've destroyed my ankles from fifteen years of skateboarding, so they're you know in pain all the time, and yeah, my fucking I'm just I'm just always getting hurt doing damn awful things. That was my mom's super loud truck. She's okay. the biggest truck on the block. Um, so yeah. Just curious about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think I just have one final question.
2: Are we okay? Don't you dare. (laughs) 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 Are you leaving? (laughs) No. I think we're good. I think we're good. I really do. Like we're going into an election year.
1: I can't wait how for how gross next year is going to be. People
2: are going to lose their minds and- They're already doing it. The tool that they use to do it is if this person wins, we're all going to die. And if this happens, we're all in trouble. If this happens, we're all in trouble. And so I think more than ever, you have to kind of like be aware that- it Hasn't happened yet, so yeah. probably not going to happen <laughs> this time. And, and then people call that, like, call that being naive or being stupid to think that, well, because it hasn't happened before, you don't think it can happen now. It's like, there's a difference between being cautious and being worried all the time or being angry all the time, being difference, upset all the time. Yeah,
1: difference between paranoia. This crossed
2: my mind this morning. I was actually, I didn't know if politics would come up or whatever, oh, but yeah. just this morning I was thinking about, I am willing to bet that the majority of people have said Trump, like the word mm-hmm. Trump, Trump's name more times than they've said the name of the person they love in the last four years that on a daily basis, they've said something about Trump and not about their parents or like their mm-hmm. partner or anybody else. And it's like, we really are focusing all of our energy on this man, love him or hate him. Mm-hmm. It's just the amount of talking about him is insane. It is. And it I can't to get relax. through any <laughs>
1: podcast without it anymore. It's right. so sickening. Mm-hmm. I, uh I don't care how you feel about it. Either way, um, I want a new subject. I want a new topic. Yeah. So I'm excited to think that maybe we'll get a new topic. But then mm-hmm. I remember mm, a lot of people never dropped Obama. And then a lot of people aren't dropping Trump. And then the next person is just going to be talked about and ridiculed just as much. Right. Also, um, yeah, yeah, fucking... Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about I am, that. We
2: were just talking about last night where Ali and I are both really excited to watch the debates when yeah. they happen, no matter who's in it. Yeah. But the social media aspect is the part that I'm going to need Cancel. to cut out. It's like, can't stand watching people talk about this, but I would love to watch it play out. Fuck yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see who takes them on and how it goes. And I really am not invested in an outcome. So I'm just interested to see how it plays out. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's going to be whatever people want it to be. And so the more you talk about it, the, you know, the more you're just making it come true. So we'll see what happens.
1: I think that there's no way he loses again or loses this next election. Okay, That's what I think as of right now. And I'm, I'm already like wishy-washy about that yeah
2: i will say like just being alive for that election Mm -hmm. and when it happened when like it rolled in and he won was probably a moment we'll never experience again in our lifetimes where it's like nobody saw this coming i remember the moment
1: of like people around me crying and me like just walking up the stairs like okay yeah uh I don't feel nearly as devastated as I thought I would and just being like, uh, you know what? Come to think of it, I don't think I ever cared who the president was and now you guys are making me. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But yeah, as far as being okay, I think that it's going to continue to get more and more trying and it's going to seem like we're not okay. Mm -hmm. I still think we're okay. I've always thought we're okay. Good. Well,
1: let's do this again sometime.
2: All right. All right.